Welcome to the Voice of the Force podcast, Temple Archives Books, Alphabet Squadron. This is a very exciting episode for us for a couple of reasons, but one of them is because this is the 50th episode of Voice of the Force, which means we've been doing this for quite a while, I guess. Yeah, we've just sped up our <laughs> podcast um, release schedule as of recently with a new uh kind of release schedule that we got with you know weekly new formats and all that yeah and uh man it's been 50 episodes and i'm you know i can't believe we got here already it seems like it was yeah. just yesterday but it's been three years so i mean <laughs> that that is shocking to me. right isn't it crazy <laughs> i remember when i worked at a bank and i was coming up with like i had little um i worked in like the back end of a bank basically where i was oh, on yeah, a computer all day right. and i came up with like ideas of like what is our podcast name going to be we had a whole bunch of <laughs> spreadsheets and stuff like that with a shit ton of names i think we came up with like 150 names and then we picked mm-hmm. the ones we liked the most and i tried to sketch out like a logo for it and uh, we settled on voice of the force and my uh, idea my sketch kind of formed with noma and he made it into like a lightsaber and it turned into the voice of the force podcast um logo that we got yeah. now so it's been an exciting ride it's going to be interesting to see what the 51st episode of this podcast is going to be um and we'll hopefully hit 100 before you know before we know it <laughs> oh yeah it'll probably oh, see, be normal <laughs> <laughs> yeah we'll see i was gonna say we have to wait until we get to the 501st episode oh hey. yeah there you go <laughs> Yeah, it's been a while, and uh, thank you for listening for all of our podcasts. If you haven't listened to it, you're just joining, welcome to the 50th first episode for you, I guess. 50th yeah. episode, but the first episode for you. So, <laughs> yeah. Let's get going. Uh, so, do you mind telling us what this podcast is about? Absolutely. So, on Temple Archives, we pretty much go over anything Star Wars canon at the moment. <laughs> What uh, what we do, we summarize the story for you, we re- tell you how it relates to any other canon material, or even some legend material, and things cross paths or were taken. Uh, we talk about just what happened in the book, have a bit of a discussion on it, and then try to tell you where it fits into the timeline. If we don't get to that first, we definitely do get to it by the end. But, uh, you know, there's lots of things we say about these. If you have comments or questions or you want us to clarify anything we've said, uh, Dan, you want to tell our listeners how to get in contact with us? Yeah, you can find us over at voiceoftheforce.com where you can find all of our episode posts. You can comment on those. You can even find our store to buy some T-shirts and some merchandise if you want to support us. You can uh, email us at voiceoftheforce at gmail.com. Again, voiceoftheforce at gmail.com to send us any feedback, comments, questions, or theories about what we've talked about on any of our episodes. And you can find us also on social media, on Twitter and Instagram, at VoiceForcePod. You'll see our posts there for new episodes and some, maybe some other posts that we've done of comics or books and stuff like that, Star Wars-related uh, posts. Make sure you retweet our episode tweets and our posts on Instagram because that really helps with people finding our podcast and growing our listener base. You can listen, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Amazon Music, and all major podcast platforms. Remember, if you review us with five stars, that helps with our visibility. And if you add a comment there, it gives people an understanding of what the podcast is about and if you enjoyed it. And if you hit that subscribe button, which will soon turn into the follow button on Apple Podcasts, you'll get the uh, latest episode as soon as it releases, and it is completely free. No payment required. Uh, and remember to listen to the outro of this podcast to find out what we'll be covering in the next episode of Temple Archives. Spoiler alert, it may have something to do with this book. It's almost like it's a series or something. Oh. A trilogy? What say you? <laughs> in Star Wars? Never.
Now that we've gone over how to contact us, let's get into the book. The cover of Alphabet Squadron, I actually, I really like the kind of style that they're going for. It's, it's, there's, it's kind of hard for me to describe, but Minimalist. it's very stylized. We kind of got the, uh, the kind of triangle wedge that you have for uh, military uh, rankings. And then within that, we've got the X-Wing, because that's kind of the fighter war revolving around this story, I guess. And then we also got the main character and uh, the rest of Alphabet Squadron behind her. Yeah, I see this photo as it's the it's a propaganda photo. Yeah, this is the kind true. of photo that you would see hanging up if you were taking like a public service thing or walking around and joining the New Republic. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I could see that instead of like where it says the author's names and the galaxy, and all that, like it would be there mm. or something or protect the Republic or and it's exactly. like enlist now. I actually of thought of it as a uh, an album cover for like a hip hop album or something. <laughs> Eureka Quell and Alphabet Squadron bring you. Was it a kid's learning album? Sure. <laughs> yeah, no, this is. I like it. The purple and the orange go really well. Um, mm. It's almost photorealistic the way they drew Eureka Quell, the main character. I really yeah, enjoy yeah. it. And then it goes down to like a comic book style when it goes to her helmet and her arm and her pistol. Really enjoyed that. Yeah, and then and then from there it goes to like a very simple kind of silhouette. I don't want to say Art Deco because it's not Art Deco, but yeah, that kind of silhouette style of the X-wing. Yeah, it's not bad. I like it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, for this book, the author is Alexander Freed. The cover artists are Jeff Langevin and Scott Beal, and the narrator is uh, Saskia Marleveld. I'm sorry if I've butchered any of their names. You always butcher the names, though, man. It's a thing. <laughs> nah, I mean, you know, if you don't know how they're, how they're supposed to be pronounced, you get one. When the person corrects you, that's then you exactly. know. And After don't that. Now what we have to do is have no yeah. mispronounce everybody's name that is involved with making Star Wars, and maybe they'll reach out to us and tell us that, <laughs> no, this is how you say my name. <laughs> this, this is going to be our, our, uh, our, our gambit. Stick. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so now that we've gone over the cover, let's get into the synopsis. In the aftermath of Operation Cinder, five pilots from five very different walks of life are put together for a desperate operation against a shadowy threat. The five pilots of Alphabet must fight their own demons and attempt to work as a team, or else be torn apart by their own conflicts and the mysterious foe they are attempting to hunt down. All right, so yeah, nice quick synopsis. And uh, yeah, what are you guys' overall thoughts? Uh, Dan, what did you think of Alphabet Squadron? I finished it this morning, <laughs> <laughs> and it is still morning. Um, it took me a long time to get through this book. Normally, it takes me about three to four hours to get into the audiobooks, and then I'm like, okay, now I'm invested, and here we go, let's get this done. But this book... I don't know if it was just because it's an introductory book, much like The Light of the Jedi was for you, Noma, but I felt like this book was very, it, it was a slog most of the way through. There were some exciting parts, um, but this is definitely an introductory novel for, you know, setting the, the after the episode six, after the Battle of Endor, setting the, the scene for everything, much like Light of the Jedi was for the High Republic, bringing up new characters, you know, uh, the thing that really slowed it down is at the very beginning of the book, they bring up a lot of characters in a lot of different scenes from a lot of different mm -hmm. factions. 
and you're just lost in like who are you supposed to be paying attention to here so like i went on to google and i was like alphabet squadron who are the members of alphabet squadron and those are the names i'm actually focusing on when i'm listening to the book that really helped out um but like i said it was a slug to get through this book not that it was a terrible book because it wasn't it was enjoyable there were some really interesting parts it's a very interesting take on like a squadron this is the first squadron book i've ever read i never read the rogue squadron books or anything like that in eu so when they were doing their space combat like i could picture all of the maneuvers in my head and all of the different commands they were giving and flight patterns and all that stuff um, we got some mentions of some characters from other you know parts of star wars uh, like rebels and um you know even some of the movies the newer movies mm. um it was enjoyable and i did enjoy all the call callbacks to other places um we get uh mentions of operation center like you said in the synopsis there that is intriguing because that's from battlefront 2 and it that mm. was pretty you know devastating for after the battle of endor and seeing that affect characters in this book to a pretty i would say major degree was uh interesting and it added to the character development throughout the book so mm-hmm. it wasn't awful, but it wasn't my favorite. And it wasn't something that I really was like, okay, four hours in, let's go. It was like four hours in, like, God, I have eight hours left. <laughs> Sadly. No, that's fair. Ed, how about you? Yeah, I'm 100% agreeing with Dan on this one. This was one of the, after all the things we've read in the last few months, I would say, this has been the slowest burn of ever times two. Um, I was in the same boat where listening to it, I felt like the chapters were long, but they really weren't. But at the rate it was being read and just, again, with so many characters, like Dan was saying, it was impossible to, you have this navigation point that's just right in front of you. And then it swings violently to the right. And you're like, where'd you go? So like Dan said, you're lost. And you're just standing there and it's like, oh. Who are these people? Okay. Oh, there's a name. Oh, okay, it's gone. There's another one. Like, there's two characters where I thought they're the same person because their name are so similar. <laughs> they both start with S. They both oh, feel yeah, like yeah. That. you know exactly yeah, yeah. what I'm talking about. I know about, which ones you're talking about, yeah. right? And so I and they didn't really their descriptions were so bland that I, they didn't have faces to them. So it was just you're talking to this kind of shape of a blob. Okay, cool. And trying to form these pictures was difficult. Not only that, but each chapter seems like it was broken up into sub-chapters within the chapter. So it made you feel like you were making progress in the book when you really weren't. Because it's like, one, this thing. I was like, oh, are we listing something? I don't know, but I thought we were in chapter three. What? So I, there were so many places to get confused in this. I don't understand why. I think if you were sitting down actually with the paperback or the hardcover and flipping through it like that, it would make more sense. Mm-hmm. But in audiobook format is just confusing. So, I don't know, it's, but it's not all terrible, like, because the callbacks they do have for things, like, they, it's always good to see a different perspective of one event, um, not to the 40k standards where you have, like, 10,000 perspectives <laughs> of one event, but, you know, like, we've seen this event in other media, we've seen it, like, Denver saying Battlefront 2, we've seen it, um, just from the perspective of, other factions and it's been like oh okay cool that happened oh wow okay your feelings on this your feelings on this we get some pretty raw feeling on this as well where i wanted to scream naivete but then the character (laughs) then shows like no no i 
had problems. I was like, oh, okay. Okay, so you get you get a lot of real life with humanized. this book. They're very yeah, humanized people. Sometimes it's hard to read because the same, they're either really eerily similar or you you know people like this and they just irritate you so you don't even want to pay attention to that. <laughs> so it's you gotta you gotta keep that humanity or I don't want to say humanity because there's aliens, right? But like mm. keep that what that so that thing that we know. You gotta compartmentalize that. And try to keep that and the fact that it's a book in a fictional going at the same time so that you don't blend in these characters and then just pass one off completely because they're so stuck in a trope or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was very it, – um, it's an awkward explanation, but that's it was so difficult to get a focus on this book, and that's why my thoughts are so scattered. Yeah. Because it, it's, it's, it's rough. I feel like it's we both really had rough. a good time with this, if a better time, if we read it as a novel yeah you know what i mean i just yeah, feel I like mean, seeing the words would have helped i think in this instance I, yeah, yeah i really and, think and i grounded it again. a little bit yeah because yeah. at that point if i if i saw that and had it again it's like i was saying different perspective on it then it can be like okay yeah this is flowing much easier now because i was thinking of it as like a not a user hand a user manual but like at that same kind of pace that, that's how i was reading it it was like i'm getting an information dump here mm. This is not exciting, and I do not care. And okay, okay. And then it picked up. So it does pick up. It's just very slow getting there. You're going to have to get to about 50, 55% before things really start to get interesting. That's very fair. And honestly, I I agree with both both of your points you're making. I think they're all great points. Uh, Ironically, this... This feels really weird. I feel like this isn't supposed to happen because I'm actually the one who enjoyed the book the most, I think. Ultimate universe. I'm yeah, I'm be. I'm the positive <laughs> viewpoint on on this story now. But yeah, like I, like I said, you guys are definitely right. There the first half of the book for me was very weird cuz it felt like it yeah, it felt like just the way that that they set it up. I was kind of like, okay, so when are we actually getting to the part of the book that, you know, is on the cover and that I picked up? Because, you know, they have to put all these events together. And you're right. There's all these characters who, especially in the beginning, I was like, which of these are important? Which of these aren't? And yeah, like Ed, I got two of the characters mixed up constantly. Yeah. Um, and was just like, I don't, you know, I don't really understand what's going on here. But at the same time, there's a lot of, and I'll, I'll, we'll get more into this in the spoilers section, but there's a lot of little minutiae and little details that they give you about the time period mm-hmm. that I really appreciated because it really kind of ties together what's happening during this time period and kind of the difficulties and transitional stages that are happening definitely. in the galaxy. Right now. Yeah, definitely. And I, yeah, and I was really drawn to those details. And especially like you guys are saying, some of the callbacks and some of the, the references that they start pulling, I thought they did a really good job with all of them. And ironically, they did it in a way where – if you've listened to our other temple archives that I didn't have the, the same problem that I did in light of the Jedi or in into the dark where they're pulling references that I wasn't getting angry at mm. just. And it's surprising because in that time period, I'd assume that there would be more things I'd be getting annoyed at that they'd be pulling from the sequel trilogy, but instead they kind of keep it with a lot of things that I thought, you know, that I think are more popular with the general star Wars fandom. 
it's really it's really close to EU stuff because you know mm. they're still going around doing their stuff. They're still trying to set up a, a thing. There's a problem to deal with, but it's, it's still Imperial Remnant yeah. per se. It's not anybody yeah, yeah. else, and like that's that's still within that. Shape and the New of Republic era. of it, you know, coming into power was is, there yeah. at that yeah. point, and they're fully saying that you know we weren't prepared to win the war. Yeah. Right. And so, and that's. Yeah, exactly. And that's something I thought was was really cool was that it actually and yeah, it, I didn't really realize this until you pointed it out. It felt more like an EU transition of the the New Republic. Mm-hmm. Where I could see that being the end goal instead of the resistance. Right? Yeah. Um what they did to sum this all up, they took the Avengers setup movies and smashed them all into one book <laughs> in the first at the beginning half. of this book. 100%. <laughs> that's what it felt so... like. Because, yeah, I came to that as soon as you were saying, like, yeah, you know, they have to get all these five things in and put them out. I was like, yeah. How do you get a U-wing, an A-wing, a B-wing, a Y-wing? They did the DC thing where they Mm -hmm. thought, let's just make a movie called The Justice League and put everybody together and let's just do that. Introduce their origin and put them together or something of the sort. To a lesser degree. Man, that just just highlights the problems with the DC movies when a Star Wars book – can do their version of Justice League better than they yeah, did. but better, yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. Yeah, but I, I, yeah, I think that goes through what we all thought overall. Uh, as we kind of do, would you guys recommend picking up this book? I mean, it is also part one of a trilogy. I would say at this point, it still has me intrigued to see what happens in the next two books. So I would say yes. I would say there's enough in this book. And if you are, you know, someone that really enjoys you know, squadrons, the game or, you know, Star Wars, or you're a big person into like airplanes, stuff like that. And you like love that side of Star Wars and the pilots mm. and everything behind it. I would say, yeah, like it's, it's an interesting tangent in the Star Wars universe. I would say it's, it's worth picking up, especially in, I, in, um, soft cover, like, like a trade paperback, it's like 10 bucks. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there's no reason not to, I, I would say. Yeah, I would say if you do, you have the luxury now of picking up either the first and second book together and then maybe the third after and then read one and two all in one go and treat it like a super long book. And I think once we get to two, I might go back to that because at that point I'll feel like, you know what, do this whole 22 hour listen or 23 hour listen instead of the 11 that we got for this and then you know then it'll feel like this whole book is that first half of setup and everything and here's the problem we identify the problem okay okay the next thing or the continuation or however you want to do it because reading this first one on its own yeah i'm saying you have to because it's the first in, the, in a potentially good series but if mm-hmm. you start right at two you're gonna be no, who knows? Well, when nope. we get to two, maybe I'll go back and say you can just start here. No, but do you have something you'd like to share with the class? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say this joke isn't going to translate at all. But what are you talking about, Ed? You're saying if you were to pick up a super giant book that contains all the stories as one? <laughs> <laughs> the Ravener Omnibus from Warhammer. That's my point. If they had done, well, they couldn't have. But if if this was the <laughs> yeah. if there was a way to do it. That would be it. Or if you wanted to read it now, that is the best way. I mean, they do that Just, with um, they did it with the EU with the the, the solo kids. Uh, they yeah. had an omnibus, so I'm sure they would do it with this. I would see what no reason why they wouldn't. I, I just see it as it's a necessity at this point. 
if you pick up the first one and that's the only one you pick up, you're going to be mad and going right back to the store to pick up the second one. So um, a positive mad. Because you're mad you just did this when you could have picked up the second, but you had no idea. And now you listen to us. Now you know you got to pick up both. You want to get into yeah. the spoiler discussion to, to let people know why we thought these things? Uh, yeah, well, I'll give my overall thoughts first and then... Oh, you haven't yeah, done that yet? Go, yeah. I thought you did. <laughs> okay. uh, that's fine. Nah, who cares about Noma? <laughs> Sorry, man. No, nah, it's all good. But yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you guys. It's, it's definitely worth a pickup. I'm also, like I said, I actually really enjoyed this book. I feel like... If you love space battles as much as I love space battles, which is the entire re like not the entire reason, but half the reason that I, I go and watch Star Wars movies because I pray that there is one. You play X-Wing and Armada? Um, what are you talking about? Oh, yeah, exactly. Right? How <laughs> weird. But yeah, if you like those kinds of things, then this book is is great. It's very interesting how it goes into the pilots I found. So, and, you know, that definitely is something that I've always been interested in. You know, the backstories on some of these people and how they work. So... Being able to see that and really go in depth with these characters and then get some nice uh, space fights out of it as well that mm -hmm. deal with some things that you don't really see that often in the Star Wars universe, I definitely recommend picking it up. It was a fun first book for me. I'm really looking forward to reading the second book. Yeah. And yeah, like I said, if you like space battles, if you like pilots, if that's your jam, then you're going to really like this book, I think. I think we need to play a game of uh, Armada or X-Wing doing Alphabet Squadron versus Shadow Wing. Oh, oh i'm super down for that <laughs> <laughs> if they have them i don't know if they have the characters i just need, I just need to relearn how to play both games because yeah. it's been so long since i played them because of you know all the events that have been happening oh, these boy. last two years but yeah with that being said let's head into the spoiler discussion so this is your spoiler warning from here on out we're going to be going to all the things that happen in the book all the plot details all the characters Every single thing we're going to spoil right here. So if you want to read Alphabet Squadron, stop here. Go read the books or listen to the books and then come back and you can hear this part. So that is the final warning. Spoilers ahead. And with that, let's jump into the spoiler discussion. So with that being said, there's a lot of stuff Everyone in dies. this book. So, yeah, one. Everyone right, dies. Pull, <laughs> no. So a whole bunch of people do. Real quick, though, I will, because uh, I, I thought this might be something that we should try and add in. I'm going to do a real quick kind of summary of the book. Mm -hmm. So in Alphabet Squadron, we are focusing on five characters, and that is uh, Erica Quell, uh, Nath Tenzent, Will Lark, Chaz Nachadik, and the mysterious Kairos. And they're the pilots of Alphabet Squadron. And basically the summary of this book is that we get everyone's backstories. We kind of learn a lot about all these characters. And we kind of see them go on a couple of failed missions, kind of see them come together as a squad and then have a really perilous end mission mm -hmm. that kind of sets up what the squad's going to be doing for the next book. So, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that they kind of go over here. And I guess the first thing that we can start talking about is, I guess, the characters. We might as well go into them. Yeah, let's go into the so, working company. Yeah, right. So I guess... We'll just start with one and then keep going from there. I was not expecting the main character to be an Imperial defector. I don't know about you guys. I wasn't either. Mm. That is something I've been not like yelling for, but I, something I've always wanted to see because the, the defectors that we do get are basically full blown rebels by the time we're introduced into yes. introducing them. So we don't see the stigma. We don't see the you know 
what made them trusted, what got them to where they are in the Rebel Alliance. Like, a bunch of Imperial defectors became like top, top rebels at this mm-hmm. point. Dodonna, uh, Wedge, right? And Inversio, technically. Mm-hmm. Um, we also Kai. have. She gets she gets up there in the ranks a little bit, but then we also but, have. Um, but that's actually uh, sorry with with she's uh, special forces already though, so she's got yeah. like some tra- heads and tails and training way above yeah. people, right? But with Versio, that's a great point because that is something that bugged me a lot with her character right. Not that this they one, do though. really well in in, in uh, Erica's character. Because yeah. yeah, as soon as Versio becomes a rebel, just immediately she just gets the entire rebel mindset. Right. I, yeah. Yeah. Just, well, the mindset part, I think she was already developing, and from there, they were just like, "You're around people that accept this. Express yeah. yourself." Yeah. Because she shows that a lot in the in her novels, okay. or novel. Yeah. Because um, that was that Inferno was Squad. Um, Inferno Squad. She, you see where it starts to come from, and then Cinder was the last straw for that, right? Mm. Um, last straw for but, a lot of people, actually. Now that we see yeah. it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Same for the, for the whole well, point was that you know, you just became one. Okay, Leia accepting you for one thing, and even in her terms, she was still kind of like, oh, you know, we'll see. Mm. But then nobody, they don't show anybody, you're allowed free run of the ship, you're wearing the colors and everything, like, that's going to matter. These people know where you've come from. They, they, they would have heard about what how you escaped from another ship or whatever like that. You're special forces, so they should be wary as hell around you. Mm. But no, no, you're fine. Yeah, you know, everything. You have pilot buddy now. Yeah. And it's What's- like... I think the big what's the, what's the Lando line where he's like, I'm a big believer in second chances. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, but shouldn't you be a little bit concerned? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a big thing in that that I think really set a bad tone for it, though, for Battlefront 2, just taking this quick tangent, is that mm-hmm. they marketed it as you get to play as an Imperial. And then like three missions <laughs> yeah. in, she's a rebel. I'm and you're like, Imperial yeah. like, that's bullshit. Yeah, I, I think that's so the big thing. For that. That's the big difference it's between that. this character and that. It's that plus one of the, the biggest problems I had with Versio is her her reason for defecting during Operation Cinder? Granted, I understand it, but it Marvelous. always felt, yeah, right. It always felt really selfish to me. Yep, because all the you can do all the other things, but as soon as you attack my home planet, no, nah, exactly, not. yeah, and it's just like seriously, oh, no. now you're bad guys. See, that's why. That's sorry, we're on this Battlefront too for the weird tangent, but that's why I I liked Task because it was just like, no, he's from here too. And that was the orders, and you're still here. So, no, you follow them because you just said you would. We just did all that. We messed up a bunch of people just the other day in in Inferno Squad novel. Now you give it him? Yeah. You were so mad when the Death Star blew up. Now you give it him? Yeah. What, Alderaan, you questioned. You talked about it. It did make you feel uncomfortable. Now I think Operation Cinder mad? was like a lot of people. Like, they go into it in this book when we talk about Operation Cinder. Like, Eureka was mm-hmm. like... This is like what was the re- they don't know what the reason between Operation Cinder behind Operation Cinder. They had the um, the messengers, which are like these like red droids with the face of the emperor that you need to do like a blood thing to, you know, activate it. And then yeah. he offers that. He's like, we need to do Operation Cinder. And then yeah. everyone's like, OK, let's do it. And then there are people like, but like, why are we doing it to Naboo? See, why are we doing yeah. it to uh, Necrosis or ne- Necronus? Necronus? And then we have uh, in Battlefront 2, I can't remember the planet. Uh, Bardos. I love that planet, by the way. It's so beautiful. It's, um, it's red and it's red and gray. Yes, <laughs> but the red is so vibrant. That's the best part about it. Um, because there's nothing but gray behind yeah. it. It's going to stick out. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think the Operation Center was the main kicker off 
main kicker, I guess, for this story yeah, to just kicker. start. Yeah. Is like, you there's see, so many people yeah. that are affected by it. And, and that, that's not... I, I hate that in a sort of way, though, because <laughs> I don't know if you're going this way with it, Noah, because the things these guys have done to planets and worlds and all sorts of stuff. Yes, Cinder destroyed and raised a few, but mm. they systematically did that across the galaxy where think there were biosystems and everything that were destroyed from what mm. they were doing. And now that they've just blatantly hazed planets now, now it's bad. It's like, no, like this is why like I can understand from the rebel standpoint why some of them are just so like, like no, screw you. Mm. And Rihanna, because of like, how can you not see all that going on? You rationalize it away somehow, yeah. but it's so destructive. There are and some you're point... not doing anything to restore it. Yeah. So it's just like, no, like this should not be a surprise to you. You shouldn't wonder, oh, well, understandably, yeah, you know, they're, they're split up all over the empire. One section might mm. know this or one might know that. So you, but you've got to prove that because to the outside eyes, just like, look at all this. We can see all of this anytime. We hear the stories from people who are here because they can't be there now. Yeah. What are you doing to fix that? Oh, I didn't know. Well, well, we all know, and we've been saying it. How'd you not hear? You know, like, it's going to be super tough, which is why Erica's story is so interesting, right? To constantly go over, it's just like, yes, but reason. Yes, but this. Yes, but like you have to be defensive because you know there's no other way to be. But it still makes yeah. you look bad. Like you can't. How do you get through that? And that is the one takeaway from this book that kept me going. So I needed to see the end of her transition. Yeah, her, and and she's got a really interesting one at the end. But yeah, exactly. I think it's this book and this book plus one of my favorite episodes of Mandalorian. I think really dives into the how long it takes before you have that realization of, wait, are we the bad guys? Yeah. Yeah. Cause with, with Erica, right. We get this with operation cinder and then with uh, Mandalorian with Migs, we get that same point, right. Where once he's, ex once he survived operation cinder, like that's one of the things I love, right. Once, once he f survives operation cinder, you can really see that's why he becomes this much a, or, you know, in season one, why he's that much of an asshole. Yeah. Because it's all defensive and it's all just the fact that he's trying to cope with the fact that, you know, he's got all this trauma and he survived this horrific event. Yeah. And it makes so much sense why he defected and just is the scummy bounty hunter. Well, not even scummy bounty hunter, just, just scum. Bounty hunter. Yeah. 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 And like right. the whole the whole part of everybody was like, you know, how could the emperor do this? Why would he do this? Like, but then and then they start rationalizing with themselves because they're like, well, he's called this and this and this before, but yeah. you know, Alderaan was a rebel base. You know what I'm yeah. It's like yeah, the whole planet was a rebel base. Yeah, I was exactly. thinking about that earlier, where it's just like, if you remember Nash from yeah, yeah Nash Rider from Lost right? Stars, yeah. and it's just and he's like, oh yeah, you know, he's conflicted or and all that right now, right? And an imperial officer, he should have just been taken away by intelligence right there and then yeah <laughs> because you'll have people like that where like they have imperial families on there and you got to justify that to yourself now too so getting back into and, this and it's go ahead oh sorry i was just gonna say like it's and it's really interesting how erica makes that connection right yeah like in the book where she goes yeah well in the beginning she's going wait well, yeah well you know they they had to the emperor had to, to do it exactly to peace and then later on she's going yeah but after they did that it became like one of the biggest propaganda points that the rebels always had. Yep. And you kind of see those, those cracks forming, even though at this point she's working with the new Republic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Kind of watching that, that the progression. 
yeah, that progression of of all that justification start to fall apart, which I really I really liked with that. I think the, mm-hmm. the big point for Operation Cinder, why a lot of people were like, no, this is the the line that we crossed, is I think they mentioned in this book as well, is that what is the point of Operation Cinder? Like, mm-hmm. there is a point to Alderaan. You're sending a message to the rebels to stop doing what they're doing to promote fear in the galaxy, right? You have all these other things where you're doing mining operations in like salvage, like just ripping planets apart, and moons apart, destroying them, and taking the material to make things for the Empire, so then they can you know, you know supply order to the galaxy or whatever. Operation mm-hmm. Cinder was just like, doesn't matter who you are. We're gonna go to Vardos. We're gonna go to Naboo. We're gonna go to Barton Khan. We're gonna go all these planets that have literally no strategic value to destroy in any way. Yeah. And we're just going to destroy them, whether our Imperials are on it or not, which is what Miggs had to go through with his yeah. backstory, right? And even um, uh, Eureka Quell, she had to as well. She was on, uh, what I don't remember what that planet was called, but the one that she was on. Oh, um, uh, that was the uh, ne- Necronus. The Necronus, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. it was just like, I think that's what really, the big point for the Imperials that did defect during that time is that there was no point and they could find no strategic importance of it. And nobody mm-hmm. gave them the answer there to say it's the emperor's rule, which, you know, that's the reason they gave all the time. But usually yeah. they would be like, OK, no, I understand this because, you know, there's a lot of rebels there or there's a lot of ties to the rebellion or there's, you know, some sort of rich uh, mineral that yeah, we need for the Death Star or whatever. Yeah. So I think that was a big part of Operation Cinder. But then we get we get, you know, pushed from Operation Cinder in people's backstories and things. And we get to know Eureka Quell as the defector and... Um, her kind of backstory with Shadow Wing, the 204th. Yeah, sorry, but before before you go into that, I yeah. just have one more thing about Operation Cinder because Erica brings up a point that I think was also really good at the beginning of the book where she's watching the, the new waves of defectors going in and she's going, oh, these are all scum. Because it's and too I, late. I, yeah, exactly. exactly. And at first I was, like, yeah. I was like, but they're your people, right? And yeah, she goes into it she, where she's saying, if you're defecting at this point, you you watched operation cinder and you accepted it yeah and that's how you're trying to get out and then some guy guy explodes too right yeah there's Mm -hmm. a guy that explodes immediately after that yeah and we we learn why about that or why that happens kind of later in the book but uh the the other point that i i just wanted to bring up about operation cinder was i feel like because i i i didn't like operation cinder when it came up in battlefront 2 Mm-hmm. I thought it was really dumb, but I do like how they're kind of enforcing it now. Yeah. And I think it all just, again, ties into, and I don't want to slag on her too much, but just the way Versio handles it, right? If you're defecting before Operation Cinder because it's your own planet, it just comes off as selfish to me. But when you defect afterwards because you look at it and you go, oh my God, what have I done? That, yeah. I think that justification makes so much more sense to me. That's but, fair. Yeah, overall, overall I, I do like how they, they are reinforcing Operation Cinder now. And sorry, Dan, I, I cut you off. So what were you saying before? I was just going to say with, the sh- with Shadow Wing, the 204th uh, Battalion, I guess, is what they call it. Or I'm not sure exactly what the, the terminology is, but it's a 204th, they call it. And it's an Imperial TIE Fighter group that does like basically like a super in, um, super special op like uh, squadron for the Empire that does all these like amazing, interesting things to, you know, get Imperial intelligence going and um doing missions that other imperial cores can't do um so we get we get introduced to a few different people from there york quells from it we get uh soren keys and then also a shakara nores who's the commander of it and they call her the grandma or something um grandmother grandmother yeah. 
and uh that's a really interesting like we get i think commander Nares is a really interesting character because she's so tactical and she's the like the mastermind behind it over the years they've talked about like in shadow wing a whole bunch of different pilots coming in and out and then at near the end of the book they find out or uh nath tencent finds out that everybody that killed his squadron from the shadow wing uh, that killed his rebel squadron um mm. they were all killed in action or deceased in some way and he was kind of pissed off about that um so they do a lot of um i don't know there's a lot of turnover on the uh different people in shadow wing including obviously yurk quell who was on shadow wing and that's kind of like a main story point for her yeah um, and and that kind of brings up a lot of the the stuff i was talking about where it's like the minutiae that i really liked in this book because yeah he like he even says after when tenzin's like how are they all dead and Nerez says, well, seven months is a long time for a TIE fighter pilot. Yeah. And yeah, and Nath is like, oh, yeah, right. Most people don't make it to a year because, you mean, know, he's also an Imperial defector. You have no hyperdrive, no shields, no droid. It's just you and the, and the mm. ship, right? And that's a big thing that they talked about in this. Like, Yurika was like, you know, I'm starting to get used to the nice, nice things about the X-Wing. You have a shield. You have a droid mm -hmm. that can help you with plotting courses. You have a hyperdrive. Mm. You can get the hell out of places if you need to. It's pretty good. You have a droid that can bring the ship to you if you need. D6L, yeah. man. Yeah. The amenities, she called them. I think. Yeah, and, and one of the uh, details I, I really liked with Nerez was we get why she's, you know, part of the reason why she's still working, even though she's, you know, so old that they call her grandmother, is she's a Clone Wars vet as well. And I did like the little thing where she's calling the rebels separatists. Or Higher time. And, yeah, right? And in, in her mind, this is just a continuation of the last war. Which yeah, I thought I thought that was neat. Even I, though I you just know, read, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, even though she's despairing at the conditions that she's in, right? Mm -hmm. It's just keeping that same mentality of well, I you know I I fought to to free the galaxy. I'm still just fighting to free the galaxy, and just that kind of hardline, almost radicalism. I think right. I just thought I thought that was really cool, but yeah. Anything else on Yurik Quell? I mean, I she's mean, got an injured arm. Is another you know. Big point a for her. Skull. Mm. A fractured skull, yeah. <laughs> she she breaks a lot of bones in this book. <laughs> Speaking of um, her like injuries, I love how she has the counseling droid, the ITO interrogation droid. That's an like ex imperial interrogation droid that is her counselor, mm -hmm. and like helps her trying to heal up and talk about things and stuff like that. And by the end, she becomes friends in quotation marks with it. Yeah. And I just thought it was hilarious. Like this big orb. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Just like sitting there, like just bobbing up and down. It's like, oh, that'd be so intimidating because you know what it does or it's it supposed made to me do. laugh so hard because it's there's a and Dan, unfortunately, isn't going to know this part. But just being like, man, isn't it cool how we can just have an interrogation droid? And I still love him more than fucking Godo in Kodor 2. Just oh god, the worst companion in, in that game. Or it's just like, yeah, give me ITO. I prefer that over Godo. Even if you just stayed on the ship. Right? <laughs> give give me a, a give me a void, and that's still better than Godo. It's just like as much as I love Kotor 2, I don't understand why they were like, look, it's like HK47, but better. Oh, no. No, it's not. It's just some guy talking through. Anyways, <laughs> I don't um, like Goto, but I really liked Ito. <laughs> Erica brings something that 
if it was there, I think I'd respect the Republic or the Rebels a bit more. Understandably, you're grabbing them forever and whenever you can, so you can't really expect that. But she tried so hard to instill some sort of dis some imperial discipline to the yeah. rebel ranks, and just seeing her try to do that, the amount of pushback she was getting was just like, this should be expected. But how hard is it really to follow some of this stuff? Mm -hmm. Because when the uh, I guess you wanted to get into the next uh, next point, Dan. So yeah, it ties in because you see how poorly they fly together during that mission. And how easily it falls apart. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, so here comes here comes your practice. We'll get into that in detail. But, you know, here comes your practice to get over that failure. You get into the simulator and you do your stuff. And you try to develop some sort of discipline in there. Mm -hmm. But even then, like, they, they're so set. They refuse to do anything. And it's just like, I from her side, I understood the frustration so much. Because to somebody like that, it's just like, how is this difficult for you? Yeah. I say one, you say two. I say one, you say two. I say one. You can't mm -hmm. do that. It's like it's it's so alien, so foreign to her. Because she spent like sixteen years in an academy or something, like right? That, or maybe not that much. And flying with Shadow Wing, out of all things, like that's exactly. a pretty regimented squadron. Any Imperial fighter wing squad at this point would be the same. So you can jump from one to the other and expect the same thing if you're the commanding officer. Right? You're not supposed to trust your your flight people. Like you give an order, they do it. No exactly. Like, I understand she had the information and everything and all the tactical analysis, but I feel like somebody else should have led this squad while she was giving information so that they could plan something around it. And then she could be like that spark plug on the fly where it could be like, oh, you know, well, they do this. Oh, that's the thing they're doing. Get ready for plan X yeah. or whatever. I, I also I didn't even think about this, but I love how this book because they really push on, hey, if you're going to work with the the New Republic and Rebels, you need to understand that everyone does things their own way, and we're not like the Empire. We yeah. don't just follow rules blindly. And I didn't think of it about this until right now, but I love how much that contradicts Episode Eight, <laughs> <laughs> where it just goes against, no, shut up and follow orders. She knows what she's doing. Yeah. Just be a good soldier. Yeah. It's just like, what? And again, that's a, a problem I have with Last Jedi. It's like, when has that ever been the Rebel mentality? Yeah of shut up and follow orders it's like no that's imperial that's Definitely. just like hey hang on can't talk about it right now okay yeah. now that we're away from everybody i can tell you the secrets yeah so look all right What's find a way to tell finished yeah, yeah. <laughs> find a way to tell them without actually telling them oh yeah i could do that okay sweet okay we're gonna win this yeah we're gonna win this okay great <laughs> going, Done. going from your quell and ito to the other person involved in that kind of trio of people is karen or aiden karen aiden i think is how you say his name he's like karen the aiden. the leader of the working company is what they call it before it becomes alphabet squadron yeah, yeah. um and he is he's an interesting character he wants to basically he has an agenda to push the new republic intelligence to a newer level newer level um and so to do that he wants to take down shadow wing which is this very notorious um imperial uh squadron as we've been talking about don't doing a whole bunch of things that have been screwing up with the new republic and everything and so he wants to basically eliminate them and that's this what this whole squadron is all about and so he just basically wants to get more funding for the um new republic intelligence off like that's basically it isn't it well no that's what he says oh did i i might have what missed he, it i might have been half what asleep. he says is he's, what he's yeah, what he says over and over in the book, he's going, no, I'm doing this for intelligence. Yeah. I'm doing this because they need to understand intelligence is important. And then when you start looking at what he's doing, he's just doing it for himself. He's just, he's, he's just trying to get power. Yeah. And that's, man, 
I had it is one thing I liked about one of the reasons I really like this book is there's a bunch of characters I did intense 180s on. Yeah. Because of how they actually set up their characters. And yeah, in the beginning, when they introduce Karen Aiden, I was like, oh, cool. We're going to get like a Cassian Andor style, you know, kind of doing some gray stuff. And he's going to be, you know, oh, I have to do this all for, for the good of the Republic. And then you watch him throw fucking hissy fits. Yeah. When Hera starts taking some of the power away from him. Yeah. yeah and he yeah, starts yeah, going yeah. to my room and drink two bottles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's like, well, I'm not a drunk. Oh, I only drank half a bottle. I'm not a drunk. And oh, it's just- gone. Yeah, and he just starts getting so desperate for any scraps of power that he can just hold on I to. I love it. that there's corruption in the New Republic that way. Like, that already, builds it. Right? Yeah. Already. Exactly. And yeah, he's, he goes, no, no, I, I, I need this power because I just, Imperial Intelligence needs to be more powerful. It's like, no, you don't. You just want this so that you can have power over the squadron. So you can be like, no, 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 I did this. I want the, because especially at the end, he's going, oh, if, if Syndulla is in charge of this operation, I might lose my glory. Yeah. And you know, they might not learn. He wants his and name to be in the history books. Yeah. Exactly. And, it and just... it's like, you pick the wrong job to yeah. be remembered in history. Yeah. Exactly. You are special ops. You are wetworks. You are the people yeah. we don't know about and yeah. shouldn't know about. If we know about you, you're doing your job wrong. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. that's why, like, as soon as there was no mention of SIS anymore and they started saying, oh, New Republic Intelligence, like, you guys are a joke <laughs> and I could already tell. The fact that you're not even in this, like, nobody's talking for you in the Senate or anything like that because the military is double doing your job right now. They're going out, they're sending recon, they're finding stuff out. They have their own analysts, they have everything. When you showed up to this ship, they're just like, okay, great, I guess you can have a room. They bring up Mon Mothma and her saying, because this is, happens in Bloodlines where they want to demilitarize the New Republic, which is a big point. And then in this, we have people talking. I think it was Hera and Karen that were saying, like, this is not how it should be. Like, we need to keep this going because we need yeah. to, you know, mm-hmm. you know, maintain some semblance of yeah, order because there's still Imperial remnants and the Republic is not at it's a fledgling thing. I think this is what Noma wanted yeah. to get into is mm-hmm. they talk about it's very new, like it's months after Endor or weeks or I can't remember. Anyway, it's not well, a very small time it, frame after. Cinder Endor. happens almost right after. Yeah, it's like yeah, weeks yeah. after, and then months after that is when this takes place. And yeah. so, like, Hera's right. Like, the New Republic is still in that rebellion mentality, and they have to create some semblance of rules and, you know, things to hold by. And so she says in this book, Hera Syndulla, that she is doing a lot more um like manifest stuff and like trying to get you know supply lines going because at the end of episode six in the rebellion they had like zero supply lines open they were on their last legs and they won and now they have to set up everything for the new republic right so they're trying to set these lines up to make everything work but that's what they're focusing on right now and she's like i want to focus on other things but i just don't have the time to do it which is what alphabet squadron is here for right to deal with shadowing yeah, and they bring up a point that Ed mentioned as well, right? Which is uh, the head mechanic. I think her name's like Wrath or something. Yeah. Uh, but her and and Hera point out that the rebellion wasn't. And it, again, this is something from expa- ex- extended universe or expanded universe that I liked, which is them pointing out like we won. We weren't really ready to win though. We were still, you know, we were prepared for the rebellion. Yeah. We weren't prepared to become the new. We weren't prepared to become the new republic. Mm. and yeah that was something that I, I thought was really interesting and uh one thing that i did love because you know dan's mentioned it now is 
Hera gets some great screen time in this book. Oh yeah, and she's I really appreciated it. Probably my one of my favorite characters in this book because for those who don't know or do remember, Hera Syndulla is from Rebels. He is the one of the main characters, <laughs> obviously, yeah. the Green Twilight. She's one of the main characters. I mean, if you haven't seen yeah, it, obviously, watch Rebels. That's if you true. Don't remember. true. Yeah. But Harrison Dula is fantastic. It does go into her talking about, you know, kind of reminiscing about old times in Rebels. And it also goes into like how she since then she's been, you know, General Syndulla and she's helped so many squadrons kind of come together and form that bond that the Phoenix Squadron had in Rebels. And I love it. It just it made me remember all the good things about Rebels and it just made me so happy. I was just sad that we didn't get to see Chopper in this one. Like, just even just like, oh, yeah, her droid is following behind her and this, this weird little old astromech that nobody has anymore, <laughs> you know? This old little psychopath. Yeah, is... I was like, oh, I was waiting for like a wah-wah. I'm telling you, he's going to be trailing parts down the entire hallway. They can't have that. A yeah. mouse droid behind him cleaning up. Yeah, hey, exactly. To, to be fair, though, R2's been in service for how long? That's true. Yeah, but that we've seen him get oil baths and stuff like That's that. True. He gets taken care of. Chopper's just kind of there. Yeah, Chopper's just <laughs> doing his own away. maintenance with but, getting his own legs yeah but man there were there was some i didn't expect to feel like sad nostalgia pain pains from this book and there's moments when hera's talking where she's just like i miss my old crew i was like i do too hera (laughs) i miss everybody too yeah (laughs) or yeah because there's one moment especially where she's just like where she says like i wish i wish someone from from the specters was here here just anybody else and i was like oh my god it's true because you know, Sabine's still on Lothal, and Zeb's with his own people. Yeah. And Ezra's, Ezra's who gone. knows where. Kanan's and gone. Kanan's ashes on Lothal, and it's just like... <laughs> all she's got is Chop. And, like, the one thing I was just yeah. like, where is Jason Sindula in all this? He must exactly. be, like... Yeah. I thought that same thing. He must be, like, seven, him, seven or eight. We saw him at the end of that. When yeah. was he... But they gave us a timeline. When, was when he was episode born, six. they were, they when we were see doing him. something, right? Yeah, but yeah he, so he should still be around. She yeah, should mention him. Because, you know... Kanan, you know, Kanan died during Rebels, and that's before... I could see this. her... I don't know who he would be with, but I don't think it, she would bring him into, like, a military setting like that. I don't... No, no. Like, I could true. see it, kind of, but I think she would want to look no, out for him more, and, like, attacked, here. Blown up, whatever. Exactly. Like, yeah, go with my dad, or, like, you know what I mean? Like, here's babysitters for a bit. Dead. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah <laughs> but I mean, like, you know, like, go, to, go back to uh, Ryloth, and, Ryloth. like, go to, like, oh, and, like, yeah, kind of yeah. be with I, more of the... I don't the... even know if she put him on Ryloth. <laughs> right, but that's the thing. I don't know where she put him. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I, think... I was interested. I'm like, oh, where's Jason? Is he going to pop up with Chop? Like, is he on an adventure with Chopper or something? Like, that'd be kind of cool. But Other we got none of that. Talking to people, I feel like Mothma would have probably set up like an actual like daycare for the soldiers' kids or yeah, something right. or some some safe house or something. Some where somebody prime guys. Them could anyway. Eat. <laughs> and, and, then, and then we'll just ignore how that's face right now it's <laughs> like background was annihilated you didn't hear that did you noma you didn't hear what he said no i said oh, oh the daycare's on no, don't say it on Hosnian Prime. <laughs> oh no somewhere somewhere respectable yeah Any i don't think they're gonna bring i don't think they're gonna bring uh i don't think they're gonna bring jason sandula back until uh dave filoni wants to that's true because it's his I'm, character I'm so happy that they didn't bring him to the sequel trilogy. Just yeah, partly because it was way too late by the time they brought him in. But just still, oh, okay. so happy. We have <laughs> other pilots that we're going to talk about here. Do you want to talk about uh, the last Imperial Soaring Keys a little bit more, and then get into the rest of Alphabet Squadron? Uh, yeah, I mean, a little bit about Soaring Keys that we haven't really talked about. Keys is an interesting character. I'm really excited to see more because we get him in a bunch of chapters. And I think I, I realized the second time he was brought up who he was because he's 
He's named something. It starts with a D. Uh, what's his name? The the name he's using starts Darren. with a D. That's all. Darren or Derek or yeah. something like that. I want to say Des, but it's not Des. Devin. That was Devin. It. Yeah. Devin, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, they they bring him up, and he's basically he he abandoned the Empire a little bit after Erica did. Yeah. And he's kind of just wandering and just doing his thing. And he's a really interesting character because he's really sympathetic. There's a lot of points that he brings up with Quell that I thought made him really interesting and human. Yeah. Because at one point, Quell comes to him and basically says, I, I don't know if I can do this. I The things we're doing are I, I can't get past them. And, you know, where most Imperial officers would be like, you need more loyalty. Or, you the know, ISB like with that. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Right. Keys is just like, that's human. You know, we're, we're doing things that that we want. We want to be heroes. We don't want to be doing things like this, but we have to. Yeah. Right. And I thought that was really interesting. And so the part that kind of surprised me is at the end of the book, he basically pulls a 180 and he's like, you know what? I have to go back to the Empire. And I was like, yeah, oh, at the very end I when get, he gets found out again, yeah. I, I'm like, I get why you're doing this, but you've come all this way. Yeah, it felt like a it felt like a big character 180. And especially when he's just, you know, they're talking about. There, the, he sees the the uh, cast about the New Republic, and he's like, "Oh, bastards!" And I'm like, "Oh, you see, okay, I think I really hate these guys." I think he know, thought they were going to kill him, like they wanted to take him in and interrogate him and do all these evil up, things to uh, him. He says that during the news report. Yeah, when they're talking about yeah, what that happened too. Yeah, he doesn't like that at all. Yeah, you yeah. See, I I thought it was more on the lines of just like you know what, after getting to that point and seeing it, and then looking up, and you've had all these thoughts, you know, and then all the things you've told Quell. You look up and you see this new thing that's taking the place of what you had. And after thinking of all the things you had to do, all the things and how right you th thought they were to do, whether not whether not good or bad, they had to be done. And now you're seeing this hodgepodge thing put together that looks like shit and everything, and you're not gonna get mad. You're not gonna want to at that point be like, oh maybe maybe. And at that point, the maybe one, mm. and it was just like, yeah, no. He's he's a really in, yeah no that's a good point so he's it's a, a it's a it's not much of a one eighty more as a revert to zero kind of yeah, that I saw it as and and I guess thinking about it he does kind of hint at that that he still has a lot of loyalty to the empire because when they go over the real uh, reason why Erica defected which was a lot tamer than I thought it was going to be like I thought it was going to be some horrific secret. Or, you know, she did some awful, awful things. Or at one point, I thought it was going to be that Erica Quell actually died and this was net or someone like that. Yeah. But when it comes up that it basically was that she didn't defect during Operation Cinder. She was convinced to defect after, like, literally right after it occurred. Yeah, but she wasn't convinced. And she was ordered to. Basically, right. And Keyes basically says, but the, the thing I thought was interesting was Keyes says, you have a sickness. And at the the time, I was just kind of like, oh, yeah, I guess that's what he would call it. But then, yeah, now thinking about what Ed said, it's that's kind of the the way that they tell you that he still has that imperial loyalty. Yeah. Right. She's, is that he called he calls she it got a sickness. feelings. Yeah. The fact, <laughs> the fact that she is doubting the empire, he calls that a sickness. Right. Yeah. He goes, you're not going to survive. Just get out. Yeah. Just leave. I'll figure this out. And, and then, then I'll do my own. Up her and leaves. Yeah. And, and makes it look like that thing. So I thought that was really interesting, right? Where we get this character that I'm again, interested in seeing, cause they really hint that he's going to be the new leader of shadow squadron mm -hmm. at the end of this book, that he is a Imperial diehard who still really cares about his, uh, pilots under subordinates command, the people yeah. that he's going with. And we don't get to see a lot of that. Usually you're one or the other, right? Mm -hmm. 
because we look at another character who I actually wasn't <laughs> I wasn't excited to see show up in this book, which is Lyndon Javes, where he's just the one of those. He just cares. Yeah. And he's not an Empire diehard at all because of what happens in squadrons. And yeah, they brought him up and I was like, oh yeah, can we just get past He approved him? the plan. <laughs> That's care. a basic yeah, way. Yeah, he, he's got a very minor point that comes up, but I was just like, yeah, 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 just just get out. <laughs> To pop up to Jin really Urso, which was interesting, and that kind of points us towards Chesna Ch uh, Chaddock. Yeah, Chesna Chaddock, who yeah. is the other character that I had a big 180 with. Because when she first showed up, I was like, oh, cool. So we've got a pilot who's a petulant child. I don't really care about you. And then just kind of going into why she's like that and why she's got so much anger and hatred and wa doesn't want anybody to know her at all. Tied in with the fact, I mean, so granted, the reasons why I ended up liking her are a little bit selfish because then it turns out she's a Jen Erso fangirl. And I was like, ah, yeah, that's cool. I like that a lot because I love Jen Erso. Yeah. And just having that tie in and her being like, hey, you know, she's actually the reason that the Death Star was destroyed in the first place. And I was like, yeah, she was. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of just bringing that that whole bring all that stuff yeah. in, and I really yeah, I really enjoyed having that the Rogue One times continuity. Coming. Yeah, and yeah, you you get this whole thing where it's just like yeah, she she lived a really awful life, right? Just this terrible life that was kind of half because she grew up in the Outer Rim and half because of the Empire. Yeah, that she really goes into, and I yeah, I thought her character was really interesting. Once it dives into it, at first you're like, she's this really selfish like. I had no other way to put it in my mind until it, like it popped in. I'm like, she's Sundere when it comes to like Will Lark, <laughs> and I'm like, this is so true, and it's so bad, but it's so it's so accurate. Yeah, and and it's something that Ed does bring up, or that Ed brought up earlier, that does definitely ring true, is that there was a lot of tropes, and a lot of those tropes almost start to to steer into things I'm used to seeing in anime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that are in this book that was kind of really surprising, right? Uh, and we get that a lot with Shadow Squadron, or it's not Shadow Squadron, Alphabet Squadron, where all the characters kind of fall into a little kind of stereotype. Erica probably does the least. She's the she newest one. Yeah, she's yeah, the freshest yeah. one, so not really. I would say, yeah, all the other ones sure. fall into one. Yeah, and, and yeah, Chaz definitely falls into that. And then we've got, we'll go into them as we hit them, but all the other ones definitely have an anime stereotype with them. Yeah. But I think it works. And then, again, we get cool tie-ins with that because I love how she's... You know, she's the B-Wing pilot of the group. And then we get at one point Hera being like, Hera's talking yes. with them. And she goes, oh, B-Wings. You know, I flew the first B-Wing. And I was like, yeah, you did. And she says she says <laughs> to her, she thing, says, right? I'm surprised. Like, anybody that can fly a B-Wing and not come out, like, dizzy and, like, want to throw up is a good pilot in my books. And I'm like, yeah. Because it, it yeah. references, like, it flying around, like, circling around the main cockpit. It, it's got a gyroscope. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's got just... that, yeah, that weird thing. I, I, I don't know if any... Uh, if anyone ever tried this in Rogue Leader and Rebel Strike, but just having a B-Wing and trying to hit Z so you could rotate, it would be so weird because the, the cockpit would stay still and the entire body would just start flipping around. Yeah, oh yeah. Like, oh, this is ugh, it's so jarring. I can't so wait to then, try the yeah, B-Wing in uh, Star Wars Squadrons. I haven't yeah, tried it yet. Yeah. The B-Wing always just looked... I can never picture it properly in my head. All I know is that it has the mini Death Star laser. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, okay. <laughs> Great. We have red beam instead of green beam. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I've always seen the B-Wing from its actually its flipped side. Oh, you've never so, seen it straight up? <laughs> like when it's out like this? So you have like, I, I'm going to send you the picture. It's and like then I'll flat and it's like it. it's horizontal versus. It looks like a, it looks like a dagger. Yeah. yeah it looks, it looks like, like a T, right? Yeah. 
So yeah, yeah, you've got like the hilt and the and the guard and then the blade. Mm-hmm. So I've always seen it like that. So my question was like, where the hell are people getting B from? Yeah. Because oh, this yeah. looks right. <laughs> like I had no idea. And then seeing it from like its actual wing, where the hell does B come from? Yeah. No, it's never still it's diamond. That. The only thing I can think of is the two be. orbs that it does. Like when a B, you have like the two circles. Yeah. That's the only reason I can think of it. But then you'd have them on both sides, so it just looked yeah, weird. Yeah, it just it's right? fucked up. That's yeah. That's so why I, I, I always thought it was supposed to be like I was, yeah, exactly. I was always like, why isn't this the T wing? And then they had the actual T wing in Clone Wars, and I was like, well, this makes sense. But the B wing still would make more yeah. sense. All right. So, I, I don't know. Let's get back into. I guess we're talking about Chaz and the yeah, Chaddock still. Yeah, and I mean. Also, just talking about little minutia quirks thing. I thought her her quirk was interesting, right? It, it, because we've been listening to High Republic so much, it kind of reminded me of the Nihil, where her whole thing is she just like I I need a soundtrack to go into battle with. Yeah, I loved how she was like a music buff, and she was like, I wanted it's not just any music; it's like music that's hard to come by, and she wanted to keep it that way. Like she wanted to yeah. like keep a record of it, I guess. Kind of cool. Yeah, and I thought that was kind of interesting. It shows who she trusts because she's got that moment where. They're about to head into the final mission. Yeah. And she goes, oh, God, who do I give this to if I die? Oh, did did Jin think stuff about this before yeah. Scarif? And then at the end, she writes down General Sindula. Yeah. So I just I thought that was nice, right? Like, it's it's clear that the bond that Hera was trying to build with the squad and with the squad with each other kind of comes through. Yeah. Not necessarily in the same way, but I guess that's the reason why she writes General Sindula, because if she gives it to a squad mate, what happens if they die? Right. True. Any other thoughts on Chasna Chaddock? Uh, interesting character. Also, someone who brings up at one point that I also thought was kind of cool, the kind of way that people are view the Jedi. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. Because when we're in the temple, she goes, I didn't think cults were supposed to build buildings this beautiful. Exactly. She was kind of weirded out by it. Yeah, and I thought that was, that was kind of neat, right? I also liked how she created conflict for the group that it kind of overcame i didn't like her insubordination when it came to like the final battle when (laughs) will was like chas you need to come here now we need you because otherwise everything's gonna go to hell you need to help us destroy these fuel canisters or whatever and he's like she's like no i got this i see shadowing i'm gonna take down 20 uh uh, 20 tie fighters and a fucking quasar by myself in a fucking b-wing by myself with no shields or nothing I mean, to be fair, if any ship was going to do that, it would be the B-1. Yeah, it would be with the laser, right? But it's just like, come on, Chaz. You need to stop being a Jin or so and start being a Chaz and Chaddock and help out your team. And she's like, fine. After Nath Tencent was like, no, you need to come now. We need you. She's like, fine. If it's not Will telling me to do it, then I'm going to go with somebody else. You know? So, I mean, I understood where she was coming from. Yeah, we got someone who hates the Empire this much. She was ready to die. She wanted mm-hmm. to be a hero, right? So Yeah. Plus, it, it doesn't help that Will says, you need to help us save these Imperials. Yeah. It's like, no, that's not the right way to approach this. Yeah. And we get, so let's talk about Will. Will, I thought, I I think I connected with Will the most. And I think it's pretty yes, obvious because why. Because you're a happy, good person. Yeah, I'm a happy, good person. <laughs> and Will Lark's a happy, good person, too. And I, I really thought it was interesting when he talked about it. It was like, he separated the Will Lark from home and the Will Lark from the New Republic. Mm. I'm like, that's an interesting, like, character quirk flaw that he kind of separates the two. And then finally, when he's talking with them and trying to talk about his backstory, when they're doing that, um, the salvage operation on Argy Minor, and they're, you know, in Jedi Temple, trying to get all the stuff and bring it back to the ship. Um, he tells them about his backstory and kind of about his plan and not everything, but he kind of gives them the gist of it. 
and they were all like it when he talked about like oh they had to you know the people of my planet had people you know volunteer to go join the new republic because the empire you know was subjugating us and all this stuff and i'm like what is this um Oh god, what's that fucking series called? I had it in my head a second ago. I volunteer as tribute. Hunger, what if, oh, Hunger Games. Hunger Games. It reminded me of the Hunger Games because like, yeah, we have people volunteer as tribute for the New Republic, and I'm like, okay, interesting. Will Will is definitely the safest character in this book, right? He's the one who has the least amount of baggage. He's the one that has the uh, the softest downsides and the softest. Uh, He's the more guess, like he cares a lot about things that people in the military really shouldn't care about. Like they shouldn't have those connections and stuff, I guess. Well, he, he's got the safest reservations. Yeah. He right? says, I want to go home. And there was something interesting with his character that I'm curious if they're going to go into more. I don't know if they will or not, but he really heavily romanticizes his planet. Yeah. Like every everything they do is good and everything they do is perfect. And right, they have the right way of thinking and all this stuff. So I'm curious if in a later book they're going to start going into more of once he sees more of the galaxy, he kind of realizes, oh, my planet's just kind of like everybody else's. You know, it's mm -hmm. got its upsides and its downsides. And there is maybe some corruption there that I didn't know about. I totally I see know. it happening with Hera and um, Ryloth because, you know, Ryloth's great and everything. But then you get these insurgents as well that are pretty dark people like her dad um that do well, some I mean, pretty fucked up stuff yeah plus they've had slavery since how long right but like I, there's never been a moment where they haven't been selling their own people into slavery exactly so i feel like that might be a, a talking point if hera is still i'm assuming hera and karen are going to still be in the next few books so I, if there is a connection between well, will and hera i'd be hera. down i'd be happy about that right and like yeah his, his only downside is he just keeps saying like i don't really want to be here yeah i will because duty yeah but I'd, I'd rather be back home right now. I do love the point when they're, you know, uh, Chass and uh, Will and uh, was it Hound Squadron or no? What squadron were they in before? I can't remember what the name of it was. Riot, uh, he, he was Riot, Riot Squadron. squadron. Yeah. Chaz was yeah. Yeah. So they were in that like nebula or whatever. And then he was talking to Blink, the Imperial pilot on like the open channel. And he was telling him about like the god of the nebula and all this stuff. And he kind of gets into his own mind about it. And he says, I guess I wasn't worthy because we lost everything there. You know, and I thought yeah, that was an interesting, like, he was starting to become more of the, I don't yeah. know. And and that whole section is where we get into a lot of the, all these characters, are these supposed to be important or not? Yeah. Where, yeah, because then. There's so many like people that say, Yeah, they get annihilated, right? What do you got, man? You haven't said much right now. I was waiting. Uh, yo, <laughs> you guys had a lot to say. I figured you. he read because he was your favorite guy, but Will Lark is a fucking fool. <laughs> yes, he is. Yes, he is. <laughs> First off, he's gonna die. Uh, he's gonna die somehow because he's gonna end up getting Nomo's realization and then think about it too much, like he does with everything, and then make a misstep in a fight or training and get severely injured or hurt and then get sent home. So he's not gonna be happy about it. Yeah. Um, either that or who, when you're playing on teams, most teams don't let you talk to the other team until after the game. Yes, yeah. Seriously. The game hasn't started yet. You should be focusing on what you need to do. No wonder you're trapped. No wonder the whole squad was starting. You guys are not as good as these guys. Admit that to yourself first and then figure out a way to stay alive and get out. You've recognized what they do. They really oh, had no way out, though. Stories. Like, they didn't. 
but there was you know no what? way they were getting away from it if, after they lost so if, many fighters if you're that ship at that point and you know what you have if you're not launching your escape pods by then or sending transponder or something which you can't do because you flew yourself into a nebula you fools give yourselves up mm. you're done they're messed up you're messed up you got you have pilots in there you know you're stuck there you might probably die send a few of them off if that you section was like some. the last jedi of this book let's be honest yeah well, it was stupid like, send better, somebody yeah. off to, to at least get somebody to come help who do you mm-hmm. think has more resources in the area or anywhere close by? The remnant is all over the place. Point one and why you don't demilitarize your people who can travel all over the freaking galaxy with yeah, the past, exactly. right? Two, you have all these people around. They have nobody. They they're probably have to find somewhere to go or try to get somewhere and then contact me. They can't send any of their fighters because they don't have hyperdrives or anything like that. All you have is the freighter that can't move. They are stuck here. You're not. Go get help, even if you're destroyed or anything like that. They might be able to salvage something. At this point, think of the entire New Republic instead of yourselves. Oh, but no, we have to get out of here. We have this vital info. Give it to one of the pilots and get them to get the hell out. Sacrifice yourself at that point, right? Yeah. But no, no, it's it's too vital. It's too vital. It blew up anyway. And what happened? These two got the code and send it and got yeah, it to them. They and, did it anyway, yeah. yeah. Right? They were forced so, to do that. So but, yeah, but, Will is a fool. I'm sorry. It's not just him in that situation. And he's, he wasn't in a, in a position to do that, right? Mm. Well, he was. But it wasn't his call to make, which I think is frustrating for, oh, they're injured. We're injured. Let's see who can repair faster. So nobody's, we're in a car accident. Nobody's going to call 911, but we're going to see who can get out first. Yeah. Yeah. What? The, yeah. So. The one thing that I really thought, like, wow, Will, you're, a, you're an idiot, is there's the one fight where they catch him basically right all the tie fighters are surrounding yeah. him and they're not doing anything with them and that was the point in the book where i realized what they were doing yeah what the empire was doing right and they they do explain later on it was exactly what i thought they're keeping one fighter behind so when the rest of the group leaves they can basically get the hyperdrive coordinates off of that ship yeah and then because they'll be it. programmed yeah yeah and so when that happened, I was, I, and he, he's going, oh, my God, I'm surrounded. I don't know what they're doing. Why aren't they firing? They could kill me. I'm going, oh, they're tracking with you. Yeah. And he, no, no one in the ship, because he survives and gets back, no one That's, even questions it. Yeah. They right? have the laser fire all around him, making sure, like, you go up, you're getting hit. You're going this way, you're getting hit. You're going yeah. that way, you're getting hit. You yeah, they were within where you super, are. yeah. So it's just quarters. like, yeah, why did it take so long to explain that? To yeah, because they, they don't even think about it. No. It's just like, oh yeah, they almost had me. It's like, no, no, no. Th- they clearly could have killed you, and they didn't. For and some that shows reason. how how much experience he has. He probably doesn't have that much experience when it comes to dealing but it's, with it's him stuff plus like this. Everybody else, right? Because he's, he's been there by... since Endor and since yeah. before that. So I, I, no, he's experienced and, enough. And the guy who not saves like him, that, question it. Nobody questions yeah. it. It was I mean, just very, very strange. Like that's what that's what I mean. With like they don't have any sort of discipline whatsoever. I'd rather have some than none because you think after a battle there'd be some sort of after action report. You debrief this kid right away and be like, okay, I know you're fucked up right now, but I need you to remember everything for me. Yeah. Why didn't they blink up? What happened? I know you got saved at the last minute. Yada yada. You got you clipped somebody. Turned out to be blink on your way out. You know what happened? Why did you do that? How did you do that? I don't know. Well, let's go over it. Oh, hmm, that's interesting. Let's track back. 
we've lost one, we've lost one, we've lost one. Oh God, that's how yeah. they're finding us. Okay, yeah. all of you get out of here now so they don't have a way to track them. Tell them where we are and bring in massive force so that we can wipe them out and forget about this. Guess yeah. what happens then? Aiden gets his job done because Shadow Wings no more because we blew it the hell up. Everybody can stop wor worrying about Sooner Pandem 9 and everything that's happening there because it's done. We've, we've taken care of Shadow Wing. We can go there whenever we want or, yeah. you know, it's just, it solves a lot of issues if you just that think yeah, yeah exactly like because even if it's just hey when we get to the next coordinate we're gonna put we're gonna do a calculation but let's run a second one for all the pilots so if you're the one who gets caught you upload the second coordinate yeah send them somewhere around you yeah and then exactly send them in the opposite direction we get away right it's just there's not a lot of thinking with sure, them yeah. so i wasn't i wasn't really surprised when they all died because they weren't but see, really it, that brings up yurika's mentor uh hell soren yeah, it brings so up his point. Everybody wants to be a hero, but mm -hmm. nobody wants to think about the whole. That happens with all the riot. Remember when I say you owe me? Oh, well, I saved. You. It's yeah. like, okay, but but then you call yourself family. But then you're still, oh, it shouldn't matter. Everybody yeah, you're got out. you still jockeying. For That's her. it. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. So, yeah, no. From people also, that, go ahead. Well, sorry. Uh, one last thing about Will, because I thought this was kind of funny partway through where I was just like, okay, so you are the new incarnation of hobby, I guess. Yeah. So for, yeah, for people who don't know, uh, hobby is a member of rogue squadron and you, you only hear him once. He's only in episode five, but the joke that they started to run with hobby is that he would, his ships would get it either crippled or annihilated every single mission he'd be on, but he'd never die. He'd always come through somehow. And the reason you hear him in episode five is he goes down. Or he's there for a little bit and then he goes down, but he survives that one. And then in Rogue Squadron, that sort of become a running joke where every mission, his ship would get damaged or annihilated and he'd walk away fine. And the same thing with Will, right? <laughs> his ship gets annihilated like three times. Every mission that they go on, his ship gets incredibly damaged. It loses half itself the first time, cracked cockpit the second time, almost gets obliterated during the last mission. And he just it gets really like the cracked cockpit one, though. That was really cool. Like just yeah, him losing the oxygen. Mission blacking out after like trying to seal it and stuff like that and going mm. into hyperspace and hoping to god he made it i thought mm. that was great it was just so visceral and it reminded yeah, me like when you're playing star wars squadrons when you hit something real hard you have that crack in your cockpit the entire time and like you can repair your ship but that crack is still there and you're like yeah. oh god here we go i gotta deal with this crack in my cockpit now oh god well, not even just talking about that, right? Like the way that the the response they have, where it's like, oh yeah, sealant foam, seal the hell out of this yeah. thing right now. <laughs> All right, let's get into the someone who has more experience uh, flying ships, and that is someone named Nath Tencent. Mm -hmm. No relation to the Chinese company Tencent. Um, we have this character who is an ex-imperial, who then defects to the New Republic, and then defects the New Republic rebellion. Well, he he, he defects to the rebellion. Rebel. Yeah, but yeah. then he leaves the rebellion. And does his own thing. And that's when um, Karen Aiden tells Yurika, you got to go get this guy on our side. And they do all that stuff. What do you guys think of Nath Tenson? I thought he was like the, um, not the Han Solo, but like he was kind of that foil, like good guy, kind of yeah, bad guy. He's the smuggler of the team. Yeah. He's, he's the, the rogue kind of no morals. You don't know where he sits. Block, very jaded yeah. guy. Yeah. I basically, as soon as he showed up is when I started uh, not liking uh, Aiden. Because as soon as Nath showed up, I was like, oh, this is the character I wanted. 
here's the the kind of Cassian Endor spliced with Han Solo equivalent that mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to. And no, he, he's a he's an interesting character. I liked his stuff. I, I thought the way that he first encounters Quell is incredibly on point. Oh yeah, where he you know he sees her walking around, he sees her asking questions, and he goes, "Oh look, an Imperial." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Someone's after me. Time to take them out. I like how he gets his ass handed to him, though, by by her in the interrogation droid. Well, yeah, basically just that. Well, he ITO. jabbed in the neck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let me just put you out of your misery yeah, there, yeah. buddy. It's yeah. great. Just ITO with Erica, then, yeah. Help how him, do you sneak but... up when your droid makes a whoa, whoa, whoa? Yeah, you, whoa. you headbutt someone in the back and yeah. the droid take Stealth them down. Mode. <laughs> it's great. Um, uh, we get the, the fresh new still has that Imperial outlook mixed with someone who basically has the equivalent of what Iden Verso Versio has when she joins up. Right. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Suddenly kind of understanding and knowing the ins and outs. I do like how he still got that kind of rogue personality. Like we learned partway through that he didn't, you know, and Erica knows from the beginning, he joined up because of something Cairo said, the actual realization as to what it was, was a little bit disappointing. Yeah. I was hoping it would be something a little bit more intricate. What more than just money? Yeah, exactly, right? Oh, see, I think that's where you guys and I differ then. Because okay. from the start of it, it was just like... It's all about money. Okay, he's a, he's a dude. All right, yeah, I got no, mm. no feelings on you, whatever. From the start, it's like, yeah, so you're in running this whole thing for like a few years, and then now these guys want you back. Oh, everything that she got you with, with all that stuff about your squad and everything. If the squad thing didn't bring him back, but he still holds this much anger for it, couldn't be anything else but a bunch of cash. Han did the same thing. Yeah, it was always it was cash, right? That smuggler side, so right? So it was just like, yeah, you're in it for you at this point. And if you happen to get the guys who did it, hey, great, great bonus. But at the end of the day, you're still walking out ahead. And the entire mm-hmm. time, that's all he's thinking about. It's just like, when I get out of here, I know you won't be after me. No, you won't be after me. Uh, make sure this guy's on my side. It's just yeah, planning yeah. the entire time. So from that, it's just like, oh, yeah, so I don't feel anything about you because I do not expect you either to be here or if you grow in to be here, I'll still not have it. Like, I am the Karen to him where it's just like nothing you do will make me trust you. You yeah. full on tell people, do not. Okay, then. I'm yeah. not going to feel any sort of way about you. You will just be a member of this squad until yeah. you are not. And that, that's a that's a point that I also really liked is Nath has the type of gray in Star Wars that I really like. Yeah. Where it's it's not the, oh, did you know every side's evil? It's the, I'm here for me. Yeah. And it's me first and then everybody else. Like, yeah, what, what Ed was saying, I love how he's just this calculating thing where he goes, okay. I'm definitely drinking with General Sindula, not because I want to, but because if I can get on our good side, yeah, that'll be really helpful if everything goes sideways after this. Mm-hmm. And just a, yeah, a lot of that kind of planning like that. And I also did like how he's got uh, a good relation with his droid. Yes. Yeah. And kind yeah. of having that show Erica an entire side of, of the rebellion that she didn't know about, right? Because, yeah, in the Empire, they don't care about the droids because they don't have that mm-hmm. relationship of a droid in a cockpit with them, right? Mm-hmm. They're they're tools at the best of times. Yeah, so most so droids. Like, what, do you, how do you talk to your screwdriver? Is, yeah, is exactly. The equivalent yeah, that yeah. I would think of, right? Where it's just like, and she's going through with it when. Um, sorry, I know this is Erica again, but That's with with her droid, and she's like, it took the fall for her. I wanted yeah, to. Yeah, D six L. Yeah, but it why? She was so confused by then, it, yeah, like wanting like, to take the fall. You yeah. were a mechanic. You weren't a pilot. You weren't a starfighter yeah. droid. No you're doing a good job and i was just like you know what even for you and trying to like is geoda rock or is it not <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. and talking that way it's just like you know I, I don't know if you're gonna get this but 
Like the intention is like, you know, I want to say that I just don't know how. So give me time. Mm, yeah. That's the Erica sum up. Give me time. Yeah. Sorry. And, and then she does at the yeah. end. I was going to say, it's yeah, equivalent of us saying, like, thank you, Siri, you're a great person. <laughs> or, like, no, thanks, no, Amazon see, Echo, I, yeah. I have genuine, and I will say this because my phone is right in front of me, but it's true. <laughs> I have genuine, when I ask for things using the voice assistant, I always say thank you. They're coming and after you like, if you don't. And well, <laughs> In the future. That's, that's part of it. Skynet's a thing. <laughs> and, and also, it's because of watching this and seeing, like, you know, people interact with R2 and BBA yeah. and all that stuff. It's just like, you know, if they could respond, you know, how would they? You see it in the Old Republic when there's the guy, or no, it's, it's in the Empire when that guy's testing on all those droids with Afra and then she, and, and BT and triple zero show up yep and it's just like oh yeah turn them on yeah no if he's been nice to them they won't do anything they all turn on <laughs> yeah they're all coming out yeah right so it's like from there can you imagine it's like if i is that ever happened my phone would be like no this is a good one yeah this yeah. is a, this is a friend we're gonna keep him alive <laughs> but but snowball like... don't you like me now <laughs> <laughs> but i also like ed with what you you were saying the full circle that we get with quell as well because at the yeah. end you know dc actually does die and you know she sees the, she sees the the corpse basically and goes, oh, "I'm sorry, DT. You never wanted this. You know, you you like you were built for capital ship maintenance. You weren't supposed to do this." And it was it, I loved watching that character shift where it's like you can see you're taking on the rebel traits now. Did they repair D six? I can't remember. I don't think so. They said they might be able to re- <laughs> re- like redo the core yeah, and put in a new they, in a new droid. Yeah, they do say that DT six was smart, so he might have backed himself, managed to back himself up. Yeah, and I mean, hell, if they can do that stupid. Uh, reverse with 3po there's no yeah. you know yeah of course definitely yeah. Do it with dt but going back yeah to... that was as long as you save his memory core you're fine yeah exactly so hopefully he comes back that'd be great to, to see more of him i was say going back to nath tencent it's gonna be interesting to see where he goes in the future because his mission i guess ends at the end of this book where you know he gets the information on yurika quell right and that was kind of the extra money that he was going to get to kind of do that kind of stuff right from aiden um so he doesn't really have anything except for i guess will lark that he kind of builds a relationship with in this squadron the most i would say like he you know when will has something that goes on that happens in a mission he'll like talk to him afterwards and they, build that relationship they start, to get that, they start to get that han luke bond yes well, yeah see again no and this okay. is this is the this is the danger with tenzin mm. because he does this to you Selfishly. and he tells you yeah. while he's doing it because he's when he sees them in the squad he's just like see that will kid I'm going to get on his good side yeah. and he's going to yeah. be with me so that whenever anybody has anything to say, like he, he may not back. defend me, but he's got my back because yeah. you need somebody. Like and that's that. what he That's what so, Will says to him. It, that's what all. The, wait, what? At the end of the book, he says he, he catches Nath and he's like, dude, what happened to your comms? Because you yeah, were out for yeah. a while there. I know it wasn't that you were, it actually happened. You were saying like things mm-hmm. were happening. You're a good liar when you want to be when you want to yeah because yeah. will's not an idiot at the same time i yeah. know i called him that earlier but he's not he's not <laughs> stupid everybody yeah. thinks he's naive because of the way he is but he's not stupid mm. so when tenzin does this stuff and it's just like yeah he's you know he's using people you know he's going on for that he was as self-described he's cairn's agent he's not an actual mm. squad member yeah right? so i can see that, will that... turning him to be getting that conscience like what Luke does it. to han and, i'd and like was... to see vice versa Oh, right okay. where you know and from and it ties in with your point noma where it's just mm-hmm. like you know it's like you know what i know you want to go home and everything like that but why don't we make one pit stop you come with me 
right? And they jump off somewhere, and he starts showing him this thing. This is the real world, kid. But, you know, it's like, you want to know how I ended up here, kind of. And it's like, even just kind of take him and be like, all right, let's mm. let's show you the real world. Under and his then wing. Get... Yes. <laughs> Sorry, uh-huh. yes. I was trying not to say it. And then, you know, you get Tenzin point two, 2.0 or anything. Mm. Maybe. Yeah, and, and that's an interesting point because I, I assumed that the same thing as Dan. I assumed that, you know, Will was slowly going to make uh, Tenzin a better person. Yeah. But it could definitely be the opposite, right? It's just the uh, age or difference, they, right? Yeah, because, or both, right? Yeah. Because what you have impressionable young one who just wants to do the right thing, go home to his family. And then you have the guy who's been through it all. And all that. And you mean tell me this idealistic little kid's going to bring him back to all that? Especially with the whole danger really gone and everybody just in it for what they need. Mm. I don't see any effect to that happening. Like, I can see him looking and be like, that's a very nice gesture you're doing. And the kindly go away. (laughs) You know? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. But, uh, yeah, I guess from there, we're down to the last member of Alphabet Squad who... One of my favorites. know the least about but i'm the most interested or one of the most interested in because it really appeals to a specific side of me that also likes warhammer and that is kairos who yeah we don't know too much about all we know is that she's female and she nobody knows what she looks like what her species is she doesn't talk she doesn't do anything really well that's not true she does talk she's also the one time, right? Yes, the one time where it's like super raspy <laughs> and was like, what the yeah. fuck is that? Yeah. <laughs> I think she talks to Chaz, right? <laughs> oh, is it Chaz or Will? I think it's I Will, wasn't it? When she's oh, like on yeah, the side it, of the it cliff. Is, it is, yeah, the, the Emperor's shadow has a long reach. Yeah, it's you're like, holy <laughs> fuck. The hell have you Vader? seen? What? Yeah. <laughs> but I'm really interested. Yeah, she's the U-Wing pilot. And all we really get to learn about her is she hates the Empire and I love in in the one chapter that's from her perspective, we really get to learn. She doesn't even think of the Empire as people. They're like insects and monsters, basically, that she's just desperate to gun down. And that's the part where I really started to like when it, when you realize, oh, half the reason that she kind of sticks to herself is she's kind of a monster and she knows it. Because she even talks about how she, she hopes that once she gets out of this, she can metamorphosize into something that isn't a horrifying, monster. murderous beast. Yeah, yeah. monster. And yeah, oh. I'm really interested to learn more about her. All we really learn is that she grew up somewhere kind of nice and seemingly in the Outer Rim, and then the Empire seemingly annihilated it. And I'm curious if that means that she's a survivor of Operation Cinder or whether thought. it was it was a genocide from beforehand. Because mm. as yeah. Chaz also points out, the, the, yeah, the Empire's done multiple genocides at this point, right? I, so, from what I got from her story, she was like drawing in the sand. Mm. I think there was a point when she was like there was a fire or something that she was depicting and I think she might have gone through something like that that would explain why she's not showing her face or any like skin and why she has like some like screwed up voice because her you know her body might be immolated basically with like a burnt yeah, yeah. like esophagus and this is what she has from being um, brought yeah, back and, by Colto or and, Bacta or whatever yeah right and Ed pointed that out from uh, before we started where he was saying uh, there's a, a member of squadrons if you're on the Empire side who is basically the same thing he's, he's got this horrifically battered and damaged uh, tie armor or tie pilot oh, armor oh yeah that guy he ne- yeah he never takes it off he speaks with this raspy voice and you learn he's full of augmentations and it just it, it hurts for him to live yeah and that was something I yeah that I thought was really interesting. But yeah, you're right. I I didn't really think about that. But Kairos could definitely be that same thing, right? Completely screwed the up. The public side. Yeah. And huh. I, there's with Kairos, 
the book is very careful, I guess the author, mm. at not giving you any specific kind of um, notators or like uh, indicators. Or, yeah. Indicators, that's the one. Because like her hands never really go into does she have three append like fingers yeah. does she have oh, five because yeah. that would like i was thinking three because like you know what maybe she was on trandosha and it got destroyed or messed up or raised right and mm-hmm. like that's part of the reason to take it off but like her helmet art you would see a more of an arch to it and that's a giveaway kind of like only a few species would have a reptilian that. shaped head exactly right so I was then thinking, because well, she doesn't talk, because maybe all she speaks is Shrewook. So she can't talk to you guys, because you won't understand it. But she'd have to be gigantic at that point. Yeah, yeah. right. Which because they they say she is, and then it was the way she was beating down yeah. the people she caught, and yeah. that was terrifying. And <laughs> oh, I'm like, I love that the part. only savage raid that really goes on like that. And I was gonna say the indicator after. I was like, did they have ripped off arms and limbs? <laughs> because that's a Wookie. So yeah. <laughs> And it's just like, oh, but they yeah. didn't it didn't mention that either. So I was like, Matt, what are you? Unless you bring some completely new thing in, mm. I need to know. A great because... part. Go ahead, Noma. But uh, yeah, the, the augmentations, that's a great point as well, Dan. Because yeah, like Ed was saying, there's the one point when Chaz first sees her when they're on, uh, when they're doing their mission that goes to hell. And she just lifts up and then breaks, basically, Chaz assumes she breaks the neck of, a sto- of uh, the stormtroopers that yeah. they're fighting. And it's just like, oh yeah, the normal human can't lift up another human being like that and just you know, casually do that, <laughs> right? Could the thing be. that really got me with Kairos, and it was a small part, but I really enjoyed it, was the part when Eureka is getting D six, um, her droid from like a container that was like it was wiped and everything, so she pulls it out, and it's I think it's a vacuum sealed con- cargo container or something like that. And she has like an air mask on or whatever. She gets the droid out and then uh, Kairos comes in out of nowhere, super quick, super fast, mm. rips off her mask, beats her to the ground. And Yurika's like, oh, this is how I die. Like, this is awful. <laughs> and she's like trying to say like, I'm going to make it right. And then Kairos is like, and just walks, like just nods and walks away. And mm. then, you know, gives her her mask and stuff like that. And it's just like, God damn, what is Kairos? Right. Was that down when she was shooting with Tenzin? Or uh, something it's, like that? Like it's right, right after? It's... It's right before she basically Leaves. she gets X-ray DT6 X-ray. and then steals the X-wing to to try and figure out what yeah. that was it. Right, yeah. right. Well, good. I love that part. Yeah, that was a good so part. quick because can you imagine at that moment knowing what we know now? It's just like insect, go crush, go kill, must yeah. kill. Right. <laughs> so insect, that makes sense. Okay. 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 Yeah. And okay. and and then later on she she starts and it's interesting. I kind of wish we'd been able to hear her beforehand. Because when we get the Kairos chapter, she keeps referring to, uh, she keeps referring to Erica as the deserter, and I'm kind of curious if beforehand she didn't think of her as that, and is like, yeah, this one's a spy, and so then as soon as she sees her doing that, she's like, oh, I was right, kill it, yeah, crush the insect like you were saying, and then kind of realizes, okay, give her a chance, okay, maybe she is on our side, okay, she is the deserter. Uh, one thing I did want to jump into real quick, because it's a small little Easter egg that I was really happy with, is when they do the Abednego mission, mm-hmm. and uh, they they learn about all these uh, captured Imperials that this person has. The person who meets with Erica is a Verpine, and that was a name I wasn't expecting to hear, because I haven't heard of a Verpine since ex- Extended Universe, or Expanded Universe. I can never remember which one it's called. Um but yeah, so for those who don't know, the Verpine are an insect race. They have six arms, 
And they're known for two things, one of which is one of my favorite weapons that's ever shown in Star Wars, and it's from the Omega Squadron books, is the Verpine Shattergun. Ah, yes. Yeah, which is a really cool, basically, needle needle rifle, but it, it basically uh, turns into a shotgun when it hits you. Oh, boy. When a shard hits you, and then it just <clears throat> spreads into, like, the, yeah, and like it makes these horrific point. holes. Yeah, exactly, and it makes these horrific holes in targets. Um, but it's also incredibly fragile, because literally... In the Omega Squad book, and from what they talk about with Verpine guns, one of the guys knocks it out of a character's hand, and it just stops working oh, afterwards. Yeah. yeah. And the other cool thing about Verpine, which I learned from a kid's book back when I was super into Star Wars reading those books, is the Verpine planet is the planet where Bacta was first made. And so it is very... And you also get this when they do uh, Rogue Squadron, the Bacta Wars. But okay. yeah, the Verpine, the Verpine are the first race that was able to synthesize Bacta. And who made then we we then build onto that, which made Colto uh yeah, redundant. Yeah, yeah, exactly, because it was so much better than Colto. But the Verpine became an incredibly important race in uh the Back to Wars books, from what I remember at least, because they were the only ones who really understood, kind of like the Mandalorians and Beskar, but they were the only ones who really understood how to synthesize Bacta. And so they were one of the only ra uh alien races that the Empire tolerated. Hmm because they could do this, right? But, yeah, I thought that was really cool, just meeting one of them again and being like, oh, cool, oh, this is the sleazy part of the Verpine, because that's another thing that they talk about a little bit in the kids' book that I read, ironically, where it's like the Verpine don't really see anyone outside of themselves as being, like, real sapiens. They don't really care about other... Ra or they, Not that they don't care, but they'd see, they don't really treat them the same way they would treat Verpine. Mm. So then you kind of see all these stormtroopers... Uh, capture stormtroopers in living in these awful conditions. And I was like, yeah, that kind of makes sense from what I know about the Verpine. But yeah, no, that was just a cool little Easter egg that uh, came up that I wasn't expecting. Talk uh, about the salvage operation. That was probably one of my favorite parts of the book. It reminded me a lot. <laughs> it reminded me a lot of uh, Star Wars Rebels because Hera says like, hey, you guys didn't do well in this mission. People died. You lost, you know, these things. You're not doing well in the simulations. I'm going to send you on a low-key salvage mission with zero combat opportunities, right, basically? Mm. And so they send to Argy Minor to go to a Jedi temple that they thought at first was a rebel base, abandoned rebel base, to get some salvage equipment that they stored there in a rebel cache, they said. And that's when, like, you get to see the squadron finally come together at a point where you see people talking to each other around a campfire and Yurika... Mm. Yeah, the one thing that I liked uh, and kind of un I understood but didn't really like about Yurika Quell was that it shows like she has a hard time connecting with her subordinates. And that's kind of where the mm. Harrison Dula relationship comes in. And she tries to can, like get her to connect with people. Um, mm. Is that like she says, Harris or Yurika says to um, Hera, like, is it worth it? Is all of it worth it? Not the New Republic, not all that stuff, but is like the struggle worth it? And Hera looks at her and she says, I mean, the answer's all around you. It's the people around you, right? Um, it's kind of what I got from it. And mm. on on Argy Minor, she doesn't participate in telling stories. They say like, hey, do you have any stories to tell us? And she's like, no, I have nothing to share. Mm. She's just always on the lookout, always being that, you know, stoic person of the captain. Her crew can bond, but she can't bond with them, that kind of stuff. But everybody else bonds, and that's where I, I really enjoy it. You get to know the characters a bit more. You get to get, finally, something's moving in the squadron, and it's actually functioning as a unit. That's where the story starts to pick up, I think. And mm. then we get introduced to the final mission, which is Pendum Nye, which I thought was a pretty 
Yeah, intense sorry, sorry before <laughs> I'm going to go back to our guy because, yeah, there's a couple points with that. The, sure, the yeah. first point with that, because I get where you're coming from. It is it was a bummer that Erica just decides I'm not going to bond. I'm going to go off and do my own thing. But I also I definitely understood it because a lot of things they go over, right? Oh, yeah. Thai pilots, seven months being way too long, like Why being would you get attached? a long life expectancy for a time uh, Thai pilot. And then, you know, they also say Erica mentions at one point that, you know, squad Thai squadrons are built in such a way that no one gets their own things to do. You're supposed to all follow the exact same things. And that specifically, yeah, it's done because that way, if you lose people, you can just replace them and nobody cares. Right. And so it's all those kind of things coming together where it's like, well, obviously she doesn't want to bond with them because she's still running pure empire. And yeah, you don't bond with your squad mates because they could die. And then, you know, you'll have extra baggage, which was kind of funny to me because squadrons kind of gives you the opposite impression where it's like, no, 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 we're all friends. <laughs> we all get uh, we all get along. Von Reg is the best. I'm not biased. But, you know, <laughs> but yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I can see how it agrees with me on this point. That's funny. But yeah, and it also from a story point, it kind of made sense to me because then, you know, this is very meta, but I expect that we're going to actually get her to open up when Shadowfall comes out. Yeah. Or when we get around to that, right? Because now the, the rest of the crew is opening up, then we can get her to open up, and then they'll open up even more, and then we'll get the full kind of bond that comes together. But yeah, Argonne Minor was really interesting. And yeah, you, like you were saying, from there, we get to the Battle of Pandem Nye, which was definitely, it was definitely the most fun I had with the book, right? Because that's when we get our real Rogue One space battle. And uh, yeah, the interesting thing about Pandem Nye, the, the atmosphere where it has a lot of like Tabana gas and a whole bunch of other like types of gases that are super flammable. It's pretty. <laughs> Sorry, I just see something about that. <laughs> yeah, we'll win the bonds say, yeah. of friendship. Bonds of friendship. We're getting more anime tropes here. Yeah, <laughs> I could see that. Yeah. I could definitely see He's that. the Sasuke that finally comes around. Um, oh, we get so yeah. Penumnai's atmosphere is just so interesting with the Tabana gas and all the other chemicals that are in it, and it basically makes capital ships unviable in the atmosphere. Like as soon as you fire a cannon or if your engines are too hot, it just erupts and explodes and immolates the entire ship. So you have to use, you know, Starfire Superiority, which is where Shadow Fall or Shadow Fall, Shadow uh, Wing comes in. Yeah. Um, and they're based out of a moon that they found. And then there's mine, like 300 mines, well, space mines that are around there, too. They're Crazy. based out of an orbital station. Yes. Sorry. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And so we had uh, like 300 mine, smart mines that would come at you. So that's why, like, we had the sequence of Alphabet Squadron flying, like, horizontally behind each other just trying to mm -hmm. weave through all the mines and stuff like that and set the jammer so then they don't have a, a longer range it was just like oh man this is this is so cool um mm. and a good a good kind of full circle again right because their first training mission is against smart minds and they get annihilated and well, they had yeah, one no, casualty it, yeah sorry you cut out the uh, in the um the simulation they had one casualty in that and they're like, oh, that's yeah, good. We're fine. fine. <laughs> but one casualty is fine. And they're like, no, we have to have no casualties. Yeah. But yeah, no, that, I, I definitely really like that part because uh, Alexander Freed does a great job of writing the space really? battles. It was pretty easy to tell what was happening during all of them. And yeah, overall, that battle was really, really interesting and really fun. And they did some stuff that they they pulled off some stuff that I wasn't expecting. Like, you know, they, they do a whole thing. There's a last ditch crazy effort where they're like, Oh God, we're about to be over, uh, over overwhelmed by way too many tie fighters. We need to figure out how to get out of this. And they pull off this crazy desperate maneuver where they basically detonate to ban a gas canister. Well, pods 
that then you know annihilate a big portion of this stuff and then that turns into the the last kind of threat of the book is they bring all of this down and i actually thought it was going to go in a different direction because it basically turns into oh no uh, all the tabana gas canisters are falling and it's going to detonate over the city that's above the station and it's going to annihilate it so we need to this is a rescue mission we need to shoot them all down and and you know rescue these these imperial uh ships that have you know non-combatants and stuff on them i think that's what they they imply but it also could just be we have to save these Imperial soldiers, which is a little bit weirder. They were also talking about the citizens of Pandemni as well, because it was an Imperial occupation of the planet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they knew the station was above the planet, right? Or, sorry, above the city. So what I thought was going to happen, and I'm actually surprised they never brought this up, because as soon as as Hera starts freaking out about it, I was thinking, oh, God, yeah, if, if heavy lasers can explode the atmosphere, what happens when a station detonates in atmosphere? It just wipes out the whole planet, right? That's what I thought they were going with. So I was kind of surprised when they just don't bring up the orbital station again. But then at the same time, I don't even know if the orbital station was falling, right? That could have just been me putting a couple things together. I don't think we actually even get any indication that they destroy the station. It's just the Dabana gas canisters. Yeah, they do say the firestorm is like raging all over the place. Like the whole atmosphere yeah. did light up for a bit there. I was like, holy shit. They're yeah, it, the fucking it, TIE fight. It reminded, the... Go ahead. It reminded me of the, the Nebula and Rebels where they say, you know, if you fire torpedoes in here, it's going to ignite the entire Nebula. Yeah which also, you know, ends up playing into the plot, which is really cool. But yeah, overall, it was really interesting. And then we get the the kind of side mission that Nath goes on. And like you were saying, that's when Will kind of catches him mm-hmm. with what he's doing. And he almost gets Will killed because of his side thing, True. which was very tense, which they, I, I like how they foreshadowed where he's like, yeah, you know, I don't feel bad about pulling pulling the wool over Will's eyes. Are you going to care if he dies? Uh, let's get the mission done. It's just kind of this thing that he just kind of pushes away. So you're like, oh, okay. So he does care about Will, because he th- he immediately thinks that it's just like, yeah, let's not think about that. I don't want, I don't want that on my conscience. Yeah. There was a part that they described, and it was about the starfighters going through the fire, and like mm-hmm. Eureka's X-wing is melting apart. Like the guns are melting off of it. She has mm-hmm. one working laser on it. The shields are going down. Like she's boiling in her thing, and she's like, I don't know how Tie pilots are going to deal with this because they have no shields. So they're just mm-hmm. boiling in the TIE Fighters, and they're still flying through this firestorm of hell. She's like, oh, I don't know how they're doing it. It was just like, oh, my God. Imagine that. Just imagine having oh, your yeah. Starfighter melt around you as you're trying to save these people. Oh, my God. So yeah. One thing I think the book did really well is describe Starfighter damage. Because mm-hmm. in everything we see, they get a couple hits, they blow up. But here, it's just like, you know... This tie had one one cannon working because the other one's all ripped off and gone because we've been in several dogfights where we can't go for repairs. There's no supplies, so we got to fly with what we have. Mm-hmm. Um, one A-wing was missing one as well. There was a clipped wing on one other one. It was just mm-hmm. like, and these guys are still space-worthy? <laughs> How much harder is that going to have to be? Yeah, How much more yeah. difficult is that going to be? The heat temperatures that fighters can take because they're getting hit by lasers and all that stuff. They're supercharged hot energy. So when they, mm-hmm. when they make impact, it's like, yeah, they're leaving holes and stuff. But just to see the gradual melt or think of it and the gradual just destruction of a, of a, of a starfighter is sad. Because mm-hmm. it's like that thing's been beat up. And you can see where the scratches and stuff come from now. It's not just like space debris and random little rocks and everything like yeah, that. Yeah. It's no when they get hit they are lucky they survived that hit which is why that scratch is probably still there hey remember this yeah remember that yeah so there there was a point in in that last mission that i liked where 
uh, Erica's flying and she hears like a rattle bang. And she goes, well, that was metal hitting an S-foil. Yeah, there goes my S-foil. And just, yeah, like that kind of stuff. And then yeah. there's another point as well where Chaz is, is flying through and her arms all burnt because she has, yeah, the, the fire has just been hitting that side of the cockpit so much. It's just, yeah, yeah no, you're right. It's Because she even recognizes when somebody's fixed up her B-wing because it wasn't like shaking the way it normally did when she mm -hmm. hit her thrusters. It was like, no, this is more of a like, thunk. What is this? This is yeah. my ship. So, and, and all, that... Oh, sorry, keep going. Yeah, it's like knowing the nuances of your car, right? Like, you'll mm -hmm. know if something's changed, and, like, even with a ship that size, like, no, it's different what's going on, so... Yeah, uh, and, and that actually, that ties into my point perfectly, because I also really liked when Chaz and Erica are in the simulators, and they're like, this is fine, but it's not flying. Mm -hmm. Or for both of them, they're, they have their own little experiences where Erica's like, yeah, I'm flying a tie, I'm flying a tie in a simulator, but I can't smell the seat leather, and I can't feel the the, the rattling of the tie... And I, I know this isn't real. And Chaz does the same thing where she's just like, yeah, the B-Wing's not rattling like it should be. And I can't feel the, the G-Force stress. So this is fine, but it's not what I what I want to be doing. And then, just seeing that love for flying, especially with Yurka in the beginning, yeah. she's going nuts. Not being grounded, yeah. Yeah. Yes. There's a point in the simulators where they talk about the simulation of Endor, basically. It was like DS3, basically. They just made like a massive... Uh, combat combat scenario between like a shit ton of TIE fighters and like the rebels and stuff like that and you gotta go destroy the big space station and all that and they were just saying like the simulation can only handle so much so they br like Nath broke the simulation because he knew like if you go on this far side over here the AI, AI has to suffer so then the TIE fighters just kind of sit there and like wobble and like do nothing and he goes around and destroys a station from a different perspective it's like yeah so like if I can do that I'm gonna do it Yeah, um, that was pretty cool the thing that Ed brought up with the constant repairs and stuff like that and, like, differences in the ships, there was a point I remember in it where the, the mechanic uh, was talking to, I think, Eureka, and mm -hmm. she says, um, normally, with the Rebellion, we would have, you know, strike mission, repair the ship, we'll wait for a bit, like, it could be weeks or months before we have another big mission, but as the New mm -hmm. Republic, we have constant missions happening because we have to... Daily. We, yeah, and you have to repair the ships quicker and more consistently, that it's hard to come by the parts, it's going to take longer, and it's just a lot more work because there's so many squadrons that need... We had, like, Riot Squadron, Hound Squadron, and uh, there's another one. I can't remember what the there other were, one... It was Vanguard and Vanguard well. Squadron. And yeah. then we have Alphabet Squadron. And that was all crazy. It was just like, I have so many ships that are going to need repairs. Yours is going to be four days from now. Sorry, that's all I can do. Mm. The other thing I want to mention about the ships is, like... Noma was saying, like, when you have these ships starting to fall apart, and I was saying this too, like, when they're melting and just, like, you feel bad for the ships. And it reminded me, I was like, guys, we're talking about ships. We're talking about personalities. How are we not talking about the Going Merry in One Piece? This is, like, how we feel. When the Going Merry, spoiler alerts for One Piece, goes up oh. in flames and they do the graveyard, there is no one in existence that I cannot cry to that scene. It is so emotional <laughs> we might get to that point in alphabet squadron two and three who knows if, if they made alphabet squadron into an anime because that's the thing in the manga i read it and i was like well this is yeah this is sad okay and then i watched the anime and yeah that was music just kills you yeah well no it, it's it's the same thing i mean yeah now we're just going into one piece stuff but I'll, <laughs> we'll try to keep this short <laughs> but if if you if you don't at least tear up or cry when going mary says i'm sorry yeah you're not you're not a, you're not a true one piece fan and i'm being facetious right like you know it's you, like you, i didn't do it i didn't do it 
Because because in the manga, I read it and I was like, oh yeah, it's sad. In yeah. the anime, I saw that and I was like, oh no. Just crying every time. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, those are kind of some points that I wanted to bring up just from what you guys said. But man, like... Well, also, there, there's a point where you were saying with the ship repairs where it also made sense to me because the mechanic also points out it's just saying when we were the rebellion, we yeah. were doing raid missions, but they weren't daily. It was like weekly. Yeah. So we'd have time to actually get this stuff done. And now, and she kind of brings up the same point Hera does, right? Where it's just like now we're doing things every day and we're yeah. not we're not ready for that. And yeah, like Hera says, right? Where she goes, yeah, we, we, the New Republic wasn't ready to win or the rebellion wasn't ready to win. Yep. We needed to, but now that it's happened, we're kind of all over the place. There was also one last point that I wanted to point out that I really liked with Hera, which is, and it's just because I don't like the character that she talks to. I loved how she just doesn't put up with Karen at all. Yes. <laughs> yes. She's just Karen. like, I hate you. Yeah. I hate everything about you. Yeah. Well, I'm your superior. Even, I, I don't think it's just, it, it, it's even hate. It's just, she goes, she goes like, because I think she understands that Aiden is just saying things even though he wants the glory. Yeah. Because she has that point that I love, because she's completely right about it, where she's like, okay, I'll take your squad. You can be on my ship you're not commanding it and it's like what yeah. i can't i'll command it and he goes and she goes she just goes do you have any experience with being a starfighter commander i was in i'm an imperial intelligence yeah i know you're an intelligence have you ever commanded people mm -hmm. have you ever had a squad do you have any training yeah and i love how she figures out that aiden doesn't even have spy training and he's then we learn guy. later on he's he's a reporter yeah he's a reporter who got angry that he was incarcerated for what was it 27, 27 months yeah yeah which makes sense i can get behind that i understand why he hates the empire so much but she understands that he's like this is not a leader this is a man who skulks around in the shadows and just takes stuff that he wants for himself i'm not letting him lead a squadron they're all gonna get themselves killed god i love hera oh she's so good and it's just yeah it, i <laughs> i don't know it was so nice just seeing because you know a lot of the times they have those characters being like ah oh, because i manipulated from the shadows no one catches on to what i'm doing and harry's just being like no no no, i know what this is Calm i've been a, yeah. right yeah i've been around enough scum in my life and that i can i can smell them when i see them and i love that point so yeah i'm, I'm hoping that you know Hera eventually does steal all of his thunder and does take over alphabet squadron but he's pulling a tarkin over a krennic be honest <laughs> Basi yeah basically right which Alphabet also gets squadron into... is now in mine yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> it was my idea all along I, the I emperor will be happy if, yeah. i would love if we get an aiden scene we're going he's going we stand here amongst my achievements yeah and then you see <laughs> hera just be like yeah. put her hand out and you see chop just like shock him and put him to the ground yeah. to choke on your yeah. aspirations aiden yeah. but the shocking turn of events and chopper just comes up and stabs him with a shocking prod <laughs> This chopper just kills him. I yeah. wouldn't mind. But Ed, do you have any final points? I have one more final point, but I want to hear yours. Go for it. Um, nah, mine, mine. Go for it. All right. The last thing I wanted to say is something that we talked about way before we even read this book, before it was even released, and that is the name of this squadron and how it was introduced. Oh. I loved how it was introduced because we were like, "That's an awful name for a squadron." Yep. Who would? honestly in their right mind come up with that name and it's like no it was a joke people were like oh yeah it's the alphabet squadron because they have all the different types of wings from the alphabet in there and i'm like okay i understand that and they just kind of went with it and i'm like that that makes sense i can they, i am fine with alphabet squadron now i've yeah. come to terms with it. it it does definitely make sense it was something that kind of weirded me out though 
because they say in the book, they, they kind of bring up this idea in the book where a lot of the squadrons are all using the same ships. Yeah. Yeah, because they say, you know, uh, Riot Squadron's all A-Wings, Hound Squadron's all B-Wings. But as someone who grew up with Rogue Squadron, that idea was so is so strange to me because Rogue Squadron has this constantly rotating selection of ships, right? Luke's flying an X-Wing to a Y-Wing to a B-Wing to an A-Wing. He's flying everything, right? And so I always just assumed that's what it was. It was just, you know, you have a, a surplus of ships. You use what you want in those. And, you know, squadrons, Vanguard Squadron does the same kind of thing, right? They're, they're usually rotating through different ships and, you know, people have like one or two ships that they're good at. But I guess at the same time, it kind of it it's kind of a mix of both, right? Because Phoenix Squadron is also all A wings for the yeah, most part. Yeah, I was part. gonna say that. Yeah, and the Spect- Spectre Squadron is one ship, well, two <laughs> ships, <laughs> three technically. Well, yeah, three. Not technically. When you get the squadron, I think that's you get you get into that specialization mode, right? Where it's just like that's why we have Shadow Wing, and that's why you have Echo Squadron, and that's why you have well, Vanguard's an exception, but like you have these ones that. You know, your interceptor squadron, well, those are your A-wings, right? So, like, why would you want anything else but A-wings in there to simply, like, you're, we need you to get true. there fast, we need you to hit them, we need you to get back and tell us whatever you saw. It's just like, mm-hmm. okay, great, who else is going to do that? You're going to put a Y-wing in that group? Why? <laughs> They'll have to spend the entire time defending it and not actually intercepting or doing mm-hmm. whatever. So it's like, if you have a specific goal for that squad who is good at that one thing you damn right you're gonna take all the best a-wing pilots for that one um and so on and so forth right but it's mm-hmm. you want to have variety to adapt but at the same time you you there's certain things you just need you need to just do yeah. and with that like you need those squadrons that are just those ships it sucks if you run into your foil of the other ones over there who are meant for taking on interceptors because you're all screwed. But <laughs> you know, no, you're, you're right. It's jack of all trades versus specializations. Mm-hmm. We have Red Squadron yeah, in the original trilogy and uh, Gold Squadron, which is all so Red Squadron is yeah, all X Wings and then Gold is Y Wings. Yeah, yeah. Thought I'd bring that up. Yeah. Side note, uh, that was one of the shots that I was happiest to work on in when I was working on Rogue One. Was oh, I got yeah. one of the one of the restored shots with Red Leader. That and I saw great. That, uh, yeah, and I just I remember. Oh no, it wasn't Red Leader. Sorry. I remember. Yeah, I remember freaking out. Well, yeah, we. I, yeah, that's right. Because I remember seeing him, and <laughs> my lead, uh, or my boss, basically sent me the shot, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is so amazing!" And my boss was like, "What are you talking about?" And he goes, "I was like, oh, this is this is uh this is Dutch. This is Dutch Vanders from uh, Episode Four. They're like they're using the old content from from New Hope, and they're putting it in." And my boss looked at me. He was just like, "You're such a nerd," and I was like, "Yeah." yeah. <laughs> It's like, you better be glad I am to be working on this shot. Your boss is like, it's like you have a podcast or something that you should be doing. Yeah, at the time, yeah, at the time I didn't. But no, my, my, boss was, my boss was laughing. Like, he didn't mean it, right? But he was like, oh my God, you're such a nerd. And I was like, yeah, I am. <laughs> yeah, Dutch Vanders. I love how they used, reused that footage. It was That's so great. smart. It was such a smart idea. But this makes me super excited. Uh, now talking to you guys about it, I actually have changed my rating. Um, but I'm super excited for Rogue Squadron. Oh, movie yeah. like oh, oh my god it's yeah. gonna be so good um i know they've introduced rogue squadron in the star wars comic books in canon they've introduced it um with uh, luke skywalker obviously as a uh, leader but there's some interesting stuff that's gonna happen with that and i cannot wait for yeah. it as as long as we get that and as long as it is it is made clear well i don't need i don't need them to make it clear in the in the movie but as long as it's made clear that he is one of the two leaders of rogue squadron I mean, he is the original leader, mm. but eventually he leaves and Wedge takes over. Nice. But yeah, as long as they do that, 
I'm super excited for it. And I just need some good space battles. Rogue One is the only movie that we've gotten from New Disney where they've got some good space battles. In yeah, them. I was going to say episode uh, six, but that's not New Disney. Yeah, episode six. That's why I, 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 we've gone over this before. That's why Return of the Jedi is my favorite, just for the Death Star battle. I Especially love special that edition battle. with the B wings and all the extra shots they threw in there. Yeah, it's one of the only good things. I mean, there's certain there's a lot of shots in in the special edition that I don't like because it's just why you want to make them more messy. Mm. But yeah, the the Battle of Andor is a good one. All right. Yeah. So from here, I think we have basically set our piece. So let's head into the rankings. So uh, rankings for this one, uh, kind of like what we were saying before, it's going to be a little bit surprising with our rankings this time. But uh, Dan, let's start with your rating. Mine's uh, in the middle ground here. I gave it a seven out of 10 i had it at a 6.5 before this conversation and as we talked i changed it to a seven um i think understanding more of the plot points that i might have missed while i was half asleep um Mm -hmm. might have uh, definitely changed my opinion on things and you know different um different ideas of characters and different viewpoints of these characters from you guys has definitely changed my opinion on it i like i said the only thing that's bringing this book down is that it was a slog for the most part, all the way through, I would say three quarters of the book, I was like, oh, come on, let's, where's this part? And then it's all at the end. The only thing that really picked up in the middle for me was the uh, the salvage operation they had. I really enjoyed that. Um, but yeah, I gave it a seven. And I think it's a, like I said earlier, it's worth buying um, to to read. You know, ebook, you probably get it for pretty cheap as well if you want to read it through ebook. Uh, audiobook, it's not bad. Um, the person who narrates it, is is all right i was expecting to have um mark thompson as it yeah. <laughs> um he's really good with the different voices not that i'm saying the person that did this didn't um uh, yeah uh saskia mark Mar- yes yeah, Sa- i was gonna say saskia did a i think a good job with yeah it. definitely and like with the voice modulation for the ito droid and all the different uh effects they put in there it really it mm-hmm. really worked so and seven out of ten especially especially this is just something I've, I've noticed with a couple of of audiobooks that i've listened to but um and I'm not, I'm not trying to sound sexist here, but I a lot of the times I feel like uh, the hardest part for any narrator is voicing uh, characters that are the opposite gender. It's hard. Yeah. And, you know, same thing with Mark Thompson. I feel like Mark Thompson has that, like, there's a line sometimes where I sometimes buy the female voices he's doing, sometimes I don't. Yeah. And same thing with the female uh, narrators. But for this one, I, I bought all the voices that she was using for the male characters. The only one that, yeah, the only one that, that kind of got a little bit weird sometimes was Aiden's. Um, the emotional range that he goes through, sometimes it seemed a little bit strange, but for, I mean, for everybody else, like I really liked her, her voice for Tenzin. I liked her voice for Will. And yeah, it all just worked really well. The only, the only thing that surprised me a little bit is sometimes her, her, her Hera didn't really sound like Hera. There were a couple times where it almost got like a little bit of like a British accent to it. It was almost just a tiny bit, just like a little touch. It hit. I think there was a point where I was like, oh, that kind of sounds like Leia. Yeah. Like there was a Hera yeah. Leia yeah. kind of play in there a little bit. Because yeah. it's like this it, it really. It felt a little bit too noble. Yes. It was like that. Is, yeah. She is the Leia of just the regular squad. She is. <laughs> yeah. She's the new so general. It's easy to put those voices together, especially when you just hear a hint of it. Because their ideals are basically the same. Their passion is basically the same. She is Leia 2.0 following that yeah, same that's stream. Yeah, a good point. So. 
This generation's right. Leia, anyway. Rebels yeah. generation Leia. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. yeah. So ranking then, what would you give? Oh, I said oh, I, I said seven yeah. out of ten. Yeah. Yeah, Noma, what would you give? Oh, so uh, I I think I'm the highest one out of everyone. I'm at an eight for this because I thought the characters were interesting in the beginning. Like Dan and Ed said, the biggest problem hurdle was just you're introduced to so many characters and I didn't know which ones were important or not. But as it kind of narrows down and basically by the time they were doing their Abed Nito mission, I was invested where it was just like, okay, these guys are just a bunch of people grading against each other. And I, I want to see if they'll, well, I, I, it was basically, I need to see how they come together. Cause I knew they would, right. Just based off the title of the book. And so it was just interesting from there, seeing all of their, you know, all of their clashing personalities slowly come together. Cause it's the opposite of squadrons, right? Squadrons mm-hmm. like here are all these people that have kind of worked together and then you join and you know, they all, they all work as this nice little team and you see them just go off on and complete all these missions as opposed to Alphabet, where it's like, here's these people who all hate each other, or just don't my, don't work well as a unit. Watch them go from screwing up over and over and over again to realizing that they can't, and then actually learning and coming through together into one cohesive squad. And it was just, I like the dynamics, I like the characters. Maybe, like Ed said, it's because they all end up being anime tropes, that I was kind of connected to them more, and kind of, you know, really interested. But I found a lot of the characters in this a lot more interesting to follow than I did in Light of the Jedi, which is in- interesting to me. I don't really know why yet, but maybe it's because of the same reason I like the Into the Dark characters a lot more. I like that they were all flawed and they all had big problems that they were dealing with, just in, in you know, all big problems to themselves, at least, right? In different ways. More memorable. Yeah, exactly. It was just, and it was a lot more interesting to listen to than listening to, you know, Avar Chris being like, Oh no, there are things going wrong. It's a good thing I'm the perfect Jedi. It's like, <laughs> cool. <laughs> but yeah, so overall, eight. I'm really excited for the next book, and I definitely want to see how these characters continue. But yeah, Ed, how about you? I gave it a six. Um, at the end of the day, I think I went in with the wrong expectations um, because the last two squadron based books that I have read have left me super impressed with everything that team-based units do. I mean, this mm-hmm. is coming from, like, way back with the the uh, Clone Trooper ones with the Karen Travis books. And oh, those were good. yeah. So then oh, going man. into yeah. Twilight Company and reading that, going in with very low expectations and then being blown away by it. And then going into Inferno Squad with the expectations from Twilight Company, not remembering I had read Inferno Squad before. Yeah. Um, and just going into it with that. And it was like, this is almost on par. Like, this is still really good. So having those, both of those held on a pedestal to come into this, especially with that beginning, mm. really let me down. So I think that was a lot of it, which didn't let me give it a seven. Um and like you, what kept me going was the, I need to know how they come together. Because at mm. this point, all I was feeling was frustration. And that's where, like, I was on Erika's side versus on all the other pilots. And I, mm. I don't even know if there were sides, but mentally I took a side. Because I looked at them and was like, you guys are all fools. Yeah. And she's trying to do something here. And in the case of, like, Chaz and all those, like, you're, you're not letting her. 
you're full on just not letting her. So how is this mm. going to work at all? Why bother? Karen, again, what the hell do you care? Why bother? <laughs> like, you picked the worst place. Unfortunately, it's the only place, and you got plucked up. But this mm. is the possible worst place this could have started. Because you could have put into another... If you were put into another squadron, maybe you wouldn't have met Hera. But I think things would have been a little different. Probably a little easier. I don't know. And just thinking all this stuff while going through it. And with the beginning, losing so many characters that we don't really get to know or anything like that just made me disinterested in everybody. So that's why it was easy to not have mm. a connection with Will, not have a connection with Tenzin, hate Chaz come through. Kairos, they tell us next to nothing about, so I was like, cool, and I'll feel nothing next to nothing about you. And <laughs> th that was it. Like, every every other book we've read, even with Chris and Elzarman El and all the other Jedi from other ones, you could somehow get a feel for them. And just doing that alone, like Will says, like, you know, you, you're able to forge something, you're able to feel something about that, whether positive or negative. You feel something. If you mm. give me nothing, how am I going to give you anything? And so all it was at the end of this was just, okay, just get to the end. Just get to the end. How did they do it? Okay, they did it. Great. So if you pick up this book, you have the perfect opportunity to pick up book two. You need to pick up book two. So, yeah, I would mm -hmm. say pick it up. Oh, yeah. I pick up the whole yeah, trilogy at the same time, honestly. You don't, you'd be doing yourself a disservice only getting this one because then you may end up in a situation like mine where you're just, you, know, you hit the point of apathy to the point where it's like, I don't care about the next one. I want mm -hmm. to, but like if it just goes along the same way, they're still trying to spend half the book figuring their stuff out, it'll be rough again. And I hope not. I hope it just starts off with a bang and keeps going from there. And I don't know, I, we'll see. Ironically, and we can we can talk about this after the podcast because it's not Star Wars, but I had the same issue with uh, a different omnibus that I think you're going through right now and you really like because I really didn't like the first Ravener book. Mm. For that same kind of reason. And then the second one I love, and then the third one's really weird. But, um, yeah, so I, def I definitely know what you mean. It definitely becomes stronger when it is uh, a full trilogy. And I'm sure, you know, Shadows Fall will definitely pick up from there. It also just reminds me, and again, I mean, we're going to tie this up soon. On the same. Does anybody have any last points? Because my point's not going to be relevant at all. No, I'm good. Okay. Good okay, so, yeah, I was going to say... Uh, once we finish catching up on all this new material, which we're going to be doing for a little bit longer, but once we're all caught up, we definitely need to read Hard Contact because you brought up a great point, Ed. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, oh man, I will. I am going to re-reread re that book, and I really want to see Dan's opinion because Hard Contact is one of my favorite squad books. Is that oh, you love it too, Dan. So good. You're, yeah, you're you'd love it. Honestly. I'm sure I would. I, mean, I think I've heard it. good things about it. To be fair, there's it's, only good things to hear about it. That the bad thing to hear about it was that it wasn't going to be a thing anymore because she was good to continue it, and then yeah. everything had to get cut off. Oh, the, so. and the, the yeah, because there's one other book that I, I read and I didn't like it as much, but it's not for it's for different reasons. It's not because it's a bad book. It's just the things that happen in it just rip my soul apart. Yeah, five oh first. It was was it was that the name of it? Or it was death, like or the, it was when they were Imperial Squad or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that part's. Yeah. So it's Order, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. It was, it yeah. was not a fun one. No, it, it's it's. Oh, but that squad, Omega Squad's so good, and I did like them more than Delta for quite a while, just because of the, the squad interactions. Yeah, the interactions do a lot for you, and to see who they bring in. So that is one to definitely put on the table at some point. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Nice. Yeah, but with that being said, 
I think we're all done here, so let's head into the outro. Welcome to the end of this episode of Temple Archives. If you stuck around this long, thank you very much. I'm glad you enjoyed our very well put together ramblings. Or didn't. So, yeah, or didn't. <laughs> you listened to but, it out uh, of hatred. <laughs> I'll accept that. Yeah, then you're... <laughs> exactly right. We can't really complain. But so, for our next episode, we are going to be listening to and then talking to you guys about the next book of Alphabet Squadron, which is Shadowfall. And yeah, we're very excited. As you guys have heard, we're. Very interested to see how the story goes from here. And if you guys have any comments or critiques or questions about this episode of Alphabet Squadron, then we'd love to hear from you guys. And there's a variety of ways to get in contact with us. Ed, do you mind going over how you can get in contact with us as I repeat myself over and over again? <laughs> Absolutely. Now, pilots, you will find us at voiceoftheforce.com. That is voiceoftheforce.com and now we're on the republic side on social media yeah so you'll be able to find us over at voiceoftheforce.com uh, if you have any questions you want to put in email form if you got like a huge thing you want to say about this book if you loved it if you hated it if you agree with one of us disagree with all of us entirely for whatever reason you may have you can find us on our email voiceoftheforce at gmail.com if you're more of a social media buff we've got twitter instagram you'll find us there at Voice Force Pod. Um, we'll post anything from, hey, new episode is out, to check out this crazy fun fact. It could be your day-to-day -day stuff. You never know. You should always check it. You should always repost it. Reposting is great. Helps our visibility. Helps you get out there. Helps us get out there. We both find people that like to listen, and then we can all listen together and speak together, hopefully, by getting us at that email I mentioned before. But finally, listen, rate, review, and follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Amazon Music, and all major podcast platforms. And, you know, reviewing us with any sort of review, if you really like to do that kind of thing, it would be very helpful. No pressure. Uh, if you liked it and you enjoyed it, there's a bunch of ways to contact us like from before. But the reviews really do help us with visibility, helps you with getting out there. And also, if you bring somebody in, hey, guess what? You have somebody else that you can talk to about all this stuff. And then there's gonna, we can start a big chat going and then really get some uh, voice of the fans involved, which we always love to do. But be sure to follow because you'll get episode notifications. They could be three in the morning. No, it won't be. But it'll be at a time somewhere where you can you can definitely find out and you have a listen and then find your meditation seat if it's Temple Archives. You can find your desk chair if you need to listen to Holonet Headlines. If you want to have and jump in and join one of our discussions, you can always do that as well at your convenience. But remember, fly safe, fly true. Fly casual. Don't be a hero. Oh, <laughs> fly casual. <laughs>